well, she's not really a princess anymore. She died. I understand, but we I don't know if we should put the flag at half mast. That's a whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of the Sincast is brought to you by NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com slash Sincast to get 50% off your first order. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. What, what? And from Music Video Sins, Bear Share. Hola. And today we're going to be talking more Oscar stuff. There are days that define your story beyond your life. Like the day they arrived. He's the key to Bin Laden. I don't fucking care about Bin Laden. I care about the next attack. My work here is finished. See y'all on the dark side of the moon. You don't have a better bad idea than this? This is the best bad idea we have, sir. By far. I didn't preen myself on the cover of Time magazine with a face full of phony humility. Then I have. Should have seen him in the old days when he was a real activist. Uh, you were the activist. I just wanted to get laid. If anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot! We're going to be talking about not only Oscar snubs, which we uh, we detailed a little bit back in episode eight, I believe. Yep. yep. Wow. Um, that was a long time ago. That was probably like uh, 2016 or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost one year ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, they didn't win. Yeah. When they were nominated. So uh, so so some fun Oscar discussion here. Um, so. Uh, the Oscars just recently came out. By the time this comes out, it'll have been two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have one right off the bat, right? Yeah. I think it's criminal that Amy Adams didn't get nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we all saw Arrival together, and one of the things that we were talking about almost immediately as we were coming out was how great her performance yeah. is. So with this movie, Arrival, it's a great story. It's a great conceit. It's, a, it's very well constructed. But it needs a soul. And in fact, Denis Villeneuve came out and actually like issued a statement about her snub mm-hmm. uh, about uh, how she was the soul of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's 100% accurate. How can you make linguistics interesting? Yeah. And in a sci-fi movie, no less, you know? And she carries this movie. Everything else about it is is very, very good. But it's her movie. And I don't need I don't mean to bag on Meryl Streep or anything. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. But come on. Yeah. Every single time she's in a movie, they could de- deem that Oscar worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and it's not like Daniel Day Lewis, uh, where like if he does a movie every nine years, yeah. Yeah. chances are it's gonna be pretty fucking amazing. Right. Like she'll come out with like a Woody Allen schedule. There's oh, a, yeah. it's almost gotten to the point now where I feel like the Academy is like, well, we would be remiss not to nominate Meryl Streep every time because she's, I understand everybody looks up to her and, and rightfully so yeah. she's very, very good, but a great, I don't know why Gary <laughs> very good, but, uh, but every movie she's in, anytime mm-hmm. she's in one, she's going to be nominated. Yeah. And, and I was looking at this the other day, her career basically spans now 40 years because mm-hmm. like late seventies is when she first started appearing in movies, deer hunter, she was a, a supporting actress in that. Um, 40 years, 17 nominations. Jesus. That's nearly <laughs> half the time. That I, was, yeah. I was watching The River Wild the other day because it was on. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, she probably got nominated for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robbing Kevin Bacon of his award. Right. His role in the film. <laughs> well, in this movie in particular, 
it's like i mean yes it takes a, a great performance and i think she's good in it um but this is a really light movie this is a really popcorny casual you're talking about forrest foster jenkins yes and mm. i didn't say the title because i had forgotten it <laughs> because that's how forgettable that movie was <laughs> it's just like i mean yeah i feel really bad for amy adams and because this is maybe the most i've ever thought she deserved a nomination yeah and um she didn't get it now i mean to be honest amy adams has been nominated five times mm-hmm. it, it goes to show you know really the category itself they find themselves having a hard time finding new blood to nominate yeah. a lot of times uh i mean not to say that she wasn't deserving in any of those situations but geez i mean I, it's it's just like required meryl streep nominations and it just gets to the point now where she's she's like the the team in the ncaa tournament that has the automatic bid yeah you know, <laughs> you know they're just taking up spaces you know well, it's, it's like that family guy episode where brian's nominated for for an adult video thing and they do best score and it's like you know pervert number one <laughs> pervert number two and john williams <laughs> and it gets to john williams like you know, crossing his fingers uh excuse me 20 nominations oh Jeez. Uh, so half the time that she's been uh, an actress, wow. she has been nominated. Basically, saying every year is a fifty-fifty shot. She's going to get a nomination. Uh, essentially, yeah. I mean, and and you're you're not far off though from your River Wild thing. Like, I mean, you, you look at it and you're like, oh, she probably was. I yeah. mean, that's the way this sort of game works. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not saying that she's not deserving of all the the praise. I'm just saying that she's taking up spots a yeah. lot of times. Just because she's in a movie and it's and it's bothersome. Mm. It's like oh, you haven't seen the rookie, have you? I haven't. <laughs> I don't know how that ends. <laughs> it ends like this. There's a moment where uh, Dennis Quaid is still in playing minor league ball before he's been up to the big leagues, and they're all out having drinks and having laughs. It's the first time he's ever gone out with the other teammates who are 20 years younger than him. And one of them says, "You're all right. You're not as bad as that." And it gets all hushed. And then he realizes they all kind of hate him. And he says, you guys think I'm taking somebody's spot, don't you? <laughs> because he's an old man who's near the end of his you know, longevity. And there's some kid who's not going to get a chance to play in the majors. And they all resent him for it. Yeah. That's exactly like what you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, it's exactly it's, like the it, rookie. It works for me. I like it. <laughs> were there any other big snubs you guys noticed for well, this year's nominees? I feel like um, that Ben Foster should have probably gotten nominated for Hell or High Water. Yep. Um, I mean, again, we look at these awards a lot of times and they, they're very eager to go ahead and say, oh, Jeff Bridges was in that. All right. Let's nominate him. And he was good. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, nothing against Jeff Bridges. Uh, but Ben Foster has been one of those guys that just been like a quiet, uh, character actor for all these years. And a lot of times we forget he's in certain movies. You can't forget he's in this. No, this is a showpiece and for him. This is uh, this is something where you could finally say this guy deserves a, a nomination at least to say, "Hey, man, you're doing a great job," you know. And yeah. this is a, we recognize that, and especially in a movie like this, the, the Arrival was like that. I mean, Arrival got you know several nominations, mm-hmm. so it's not like they didn't see yeah. Amy Adams, and it's not like they didn't see Ben Foster, like uh hell or high water he should definitely get nominated for that mm. um now i would say he would be supporting actor yeah uh, yeah, yeah so he's kind of like the jeremy renner character in the town you yeah. know like the unhinged brother yeah so you got uh Marshall ali jeff bridges lucas hedges 
Dev Patel and Michael Shannon. So yeah, Jeff Bridges definitely. I mean, it's not like they haven't done that before. Put two from the same movie in the same. Yeah, Godfather category. two had three. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, out of this group, unfortunately, at this at this point, I've only seen the Manchester by the Sea, and I've only seen I've seen Hell or High Water, and I have seen Moonlight. Now, Mahershala Ali is in Moonlight for about ten to fifteen minutes. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Now he's certainly deserving. He's really good in it, mm. but it's one of those he's you know he's not in it very long. Mm. So I, I know that we're trying to have more diversity, and that's that's a good thing for the for the awards. But here's one where I feel like Ben Foster probably should have gotten, and maybe just kick Jeff Bridges out. I don't, mm. you know. You well, know. I said to you. Uh, Jeff Bridges is doing Rooster Cogburn. Yeah, yeah. Just as a as a U.S. Marshal, exactly. Texas Ranger. Yeah, he was doing um, that in Crazy Heart, which he won. Yeah, for. exactly, exactly. Um, I, I, and Lucas Hedges definitely deserves it. He is an outstanding actor in mm. Manchester by the Sea. So he, I wouldn't kick him out. But I don't know about Dev Patel yet, and I don't know about um, he's supposed to Michael be great Shannon. in that movie. Michael Shannon's probably great too because he's usually great in everything. Yeah. So well, Jeff Bridges now has two modes. He's got the dude, and he's mm-hmm. got Rooster Cogburn. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> and this is and there and those aren't very far from each other, really. One yeah. one's a little sharper and less weed than the other, <laughs> yeah, but one's a little crankier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that out of that, I feel like Ben Foster probably should have gotten nominated anyway. I I've seen a lot online about the, and I can't tell how tongue in cheek people are being about Deadpool being snubbed by not being nominated mm. for Best Picture, right? To the point where everybody was writing articles the day of the nominations about a tweet ryan reynolds sent about like congratulating all the nominees we're still gonna have our no pants party or whatever he was calling it mm-hmm. um and did, did we ever think that movie had a chance to win best picture no, no but i think the I, heard, I read an article recently that said it should have just gotten nominated just to this is not the reason why you nominate Best Picture, by the way. But mm-hmm. the the uh, Oscars uh, ratings for the telecast have been going down steadily since uh. whatever. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to nominate a movie like Deadpool so that people at least think it has an outside shot of winning and, and watch the in. telecast. Hmm. Um, it, it wouldn't have unless something really crazy happened. Uh, but yeah. Um, well, and especially since you've got this nebulous no limit to how many i mean what is the limit actually like 10 yeah, i think it's uh, 10 but they have nine they have nine this year yeah, you so. can just slot something in and course. and look uh incredibly loud and extremely close whatever yeah. the fuck that movie's called <laughs> um got nominated so deadpool should definitely yeah, get nominated yeah, yeah. under that under that situation um so yeah i mean it's a tough line i mean a lot of times they nominate stuff that doesn't make any sense they're just they're just trying to get some sort i don't know what they're trying to do a lot of times yeah uh, they somehow slip in i don't get it but yeah, yeah why not deadpool with the, with the, these kind of rules you might as well throw mm-hmm. it in there mm-hmm. it's making me think of uh, tug speedman yeah. just to be nominated would have been you were nominated yeah. <laughs> no no i was saying if i had been, it would have been you know nice just to be nominated yeah okay now we we did that for this year's oscar telecast or whatever now let's go back in time a little bit mm-hmm. and take a look at some of the ones that now i've mentioned john goodman before i've i've said that in flight or argo he should have probably gotten nominated um in the year of flight and argo 
uh alan arkin was nominated for argo mm. tommy lee jones for lincoln philip seymour hoffman for the master robert de niro for silver linings playbook and christoph Waltz, who won for django unchained uh i could easily lose robert de niro in that in that group yeah yeah, yeah. silver linings playbook it, that's one of those where the movie got a lot of like acclaim and everybody was like oh man de niro man yeah. de niro yeah he's back he's back even though he's really just doing what he's always doing in the in the last 20 years mm -hmm. of his of his career it's just that he's in a better movie this time mm -hmm. and uh and so like uh, you don't you don't have to shower de niro it's got it's one of those things de niro almost was like street there for a while yeah. before he fell off the cliff um you don't need to keep on giving this guy nominations you, we've awarded this guy yeah. everybody agrees he's the greatest <laughs> actor ever or whatever um and uh and meanwhile poor john goodman this guy's been ha had a career for like 40 years and he can't get nominated for some of the best work he's ever done mm -hmm uh that it's just insane to me they, it's like it's like when the academy sits there and oh de niro yeah I, mean, I can't pick against that guy de niro he has no chance of winning but yeah let's do it yeah. uh i, I would have gone with flight probably just so that it wouldn't have been arkin versus goodman in argo mm -hmm. going against each other but either one would have been fine by me yeah i mean Good you could call. make a case that 10 cloverfield lane should be under consideration yeah like, i mean he was terrific in that yeah too. for sure yeah. he's just he's just great Another guy that we've often talked about how great he is is Paul Giamatti. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's it frustrates me to this day that he wasn't nominated for Sideways. Yeah. And two of his co-stars were. Yeah. And he is the heart and soul of that movie. And mm -hmm. I'm not taking anything away from, you know, Virginia Madsen or Thomas Hayden Church. Mm -hmm. They're both great in that movie. Uh, but that movie doesn't work without Paul Giamatti. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You could put you could put thousands of different people in that role and it wouldn't it wouldn't work. And it's just a crime to me that I mean, he's been overlooked a, a number of times. Yeah. Uh, but that one stands out almost more than any of them. To I me. would say mm -hmm. that I think Sideways was nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Picture and all this other, Best yeah. Director, Alexander Payne, all these other. I mean, you're talking about uh, this movie was basically just showered with award nominations. And then when it came to Paul Giamatti, they're like, nope, nope, fuck yeah. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost like he has some kind of mysterious Mel Gibson past we don't know about where they're like holding <laughs> something against him. Yeah. Maybe so. There's a tendency in a great movie to overlook the lead. There is. You know, especially if they're not outlandishly exciting. But as I'm saying that he is in He's this. pretty outlandish in he this goes, movie. He takes you through every emotion. I mean, he what really are you, where he's, you know, gobbling down the, the spit bucket or like out there saying he's not going to drink fucking Merlot. Yeah. And, uh, and then those quiet moments when he's talking about the Pinot grape and all that stuff with Virginia Madsen, man. I mean, that's that's a very nuanced performance. Oh, and the depression he he displays when he's sitting on the bridge with Thomas Hayden Church after he's gotten the call, after the drink drinking out of the spit bucket. Mm. And he's like, I'm not a writer. I'm a fifth grade English teacher. <laughs> and he says this really eloquent thing. I'm a fleck of dust floating out in the excrement of sea or blah, blah, blah. And Thomas Hayden Church is like, see, I could never put together a sentence like that. And he's like, neither could I. It's this other writer. <laughs> well, and, and that was, okay, so I was looking at the year. Um, it's a tough category, but easily could have lost one or two of these guys. Jamie Foxx won for Ray that year. Oh, okay. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was nominated for The Aviator, <laughs> which I don't, I, I get it, but come on. Yeah. Clint, Clint Eastwood for Million Dollar Baby. That's another one of those. Clint Eastwood, I can't, I can't like yeah, not yeah. nominate that guy. 
Don Cheadle for um, Crash, oh, and I then uh, and then it was no, it was it was uh, Hotel Rwanda. Oh, yeah. And then Johnny Depp for Finding Neverland, which you you oh, take that God. the fuck out. <laughs> yes. Give Paul Giamatti a goddamn nomination. You goddamn motherfuckers. Yeah, you, you goddamn motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that Finding Neverland pick, I think, was just a follow up for the goodwill that he had after the Pirates thing. Oh, it definitely was. And yeah. it was Depp was finally getting nominations after he hadn't been in the 90s and everything. And it was like, all right, we got to give Depp every time he could get, you know, is sort of had that window there where everything Depp did got nominated. Um, but uh, good God, man. Yeah, you could have gotten rid of two or three of those. Yeah. And put Giamatti in easy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to break up the sausage fest and talk about Catherine Bigelow. Oh yeah, uh, ah. this is such a an unnominated directorial effort that I had even forgot that she wasn't nominated. In fact, I thought that she had won that year because Zero Dark Thirty was such a phenomenon. I mean, everybody was talking about it. All the critics loved it. Everybody that saw it that I talked to loved it. As we said before. Because the movie seemed to be saying that torture works, yeah. it lost a lot of its steam. But as we said before, it doesn't do that. Yeah. You know? And this is a great feat. So there's two great feats that she did in this movie. One she made, it's that trick of making investigation interesting. Yeah. Uh, same thing that they did with Spotlight, same thing they did with All the President's Men. Uh, it's you know the investigation has you riveted. Mm-hmm. And then she hauls off and gives us one of the most tense scenes of all it's time. It's incredible. Uh, it, literally all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and the fact that she was not nominated was just ridiculous. To it's me. because that Hollywood has chosen James Cameron and not her. I guess so. Divorce. Yeah, and they're on his side. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. It shows mom, daddy, and not mommy. Yeah. <laughs> that's correct. That is correct. Um, I, it's funny you brought this up because I in. Uh, the the same year ben affleck for argo wasn't nominated um and and when i went through this and i saw that affleck and bigelow were not nominated i was like okay so who got nominated um it was ang lee who won for the life of pun uh michael haneke for a more okay i understand it look good movie (laughs) but it ain't zero dark 30 no it's not the type of stuff that i mean yeah Amour is such a quiet, like you, you have to be, yeah, you have to be a good director to make sure your two actors that are in the movie basically <laughs> do the things that they're supposed to do. But come on, yeah. come the fuck on. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then like, uh, and then, uh, David O. Russell for silver linings playbook. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with that. But then like, it's like it, it, Spielberg for Lincoln. Okay. Yeah. And then they, then they went with, uh, I'd, well, I will butcher this name, but Ben Zeitlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm-hmm. Beasts of the Southern Wild is another one. I'm sorry. It's it's good. You you had to direct a nine-year-old kid in yeah. this movie. It's very tough, but it ain't Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> and, you, and you also, like, I mean, sitting there like you lavished Argo with all these awards, and you're like, Argo's going to be best picture. Like, well, whoever directed it, he's a fuck nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we hate the guy, but we like his work. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, these are the feats. It, it, the, the feat of what Catherine Bigelow did in that movie, for what I was just saying, and then, you know, wrangling the international cast and everything, same thing that Ben Affleck had to do with Argo, mm-hmm. is, you know, wrangle all these complex themes, even though it's a true story, obviously, but and then this huge cast and you know multiple locations and things like that. 
I mean, that that's just so much more impressive than even a wonderfully nuanced, quiet movie. It's just, if you want to award excellence, reward excellence. You yeah. Know? I would also go with, here's another Alexander Payne movie. Shailene Woodley for The Descendants. Oh, oh yeah. Good call. When I first saw Shailene Woodley in The Descendants, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This, this is a new star right here. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, I was just riveted by her performance throughout. And I thought for sure she would get nominated for it because it was a big movie. You know, again, got lots of nominations and everything. Um, so that year it was Octavia Spencer for The Help. She won. That's fine. Berenice Bejo for The Artist, which is I don't remember. Oh, her. no, she was she was very good. No, but she's good. That that was that movie that got so much momentum. Yeah. and It was just going to bowl over everybody. Uh jessica chastain for the help i love jessica chastain but do you remember much about her in the help other than then she was kind of funny in a couple scenes no you remember octavia spencer viola davis and emma stone yeah the help, the help is a movie it. that just like they decided i'm gonna give every nomination i can to that movie i'm surprised anna camp didn't get nominated i'm surprised her. a movie with a shit pie scene can get so many nominations <laughs> yeah no kidding i'm still not over that that was also <laughs> the year that melissa mccarthy got nominated for bridesmaids i don't have a problem with that but mm when you have somebody like shailene woodley in there it just yeah yeah i mean it's uh, <laughs> and i never saw albert knobs but janet mateer was nominated there uh -huh. as well but i feel like one of those nominations easily could have gone by the wayside for her i really wish i had done the research you're doing and did in terms of looking at who actually got the nominations mm -hmm. well that's all fine. i did was write down snubs that's fine i'm here to help you got my back <laughs> well yeah when you mention yours i'll go to the year and all i'll right. look at it thanks man mm -hmm. you also have a computer and i, I do I, I, don't. I do so uh is it my turn or you want to keep talking <laughs> about shailene no, no i mean I, I think i've said my piece all right uh <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't mind talking about Shailene Woodley some more. Yeah, I've said my piece and I've counted about, to ten. Let's talk more about Shailene Woodley. Why the fuck was she in those Divergent movies? I don't know, man. Money, 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 money. Money. Well, we can't, we can't, we can't go. You know, we can't be down on her for that. She, <laughs> she has to have a living too. She's got Divergent I, money now. That's right. Yes. Um, okay. So the next one I want to talk about is John Turturro in Quiz Show. Yes, that's a good um, one. Now I love this movie, and I think there are a few key performances, but none more important than this one. Like Herbert Stimple, the character is the anchor point and uh, he's great at all the little ticks. He's great at showing us a really intelligent guy who really isn't that much better off in life because of his intelligence. <laughs> um, he he creates a character that you both look down on and feel sorry for. And I think that's hard. I think that's difficult. It takes a, a, a top tier actor to be able to, to walk that line so finely because he's He's pretty shady at points in this movie. Mm -hmm. He's just very much self-interest oriented. Uh, and yet he still kind of got screwed over and you feel you feel bad for him. And then at the end in the Senate hearing when everybody's just kind of laughing at him. Uh, anyway, that performance owns that movie. And I, I, I bet Chris is going to tell us what he's should have not incredible. Been. Now, uh, would you put him as best actor or supporting actor in that movie? I actually would put him as best actor in that. Okay. Because I don't find, I, I, I would probably put him in supporting just because Rob Morrow is like the main okay. guy. I can buy that, but we'll go over both of them. Uh, just in case. Um, so the best actor category was loaded. You had Tom Hanks for Forrest Gump. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman for the Shawshank Redemption. 
Nigel Hawthorne for The Madness of King George, which I still haven't seen to this day. Me neither. Well, I remember it coming out, and I remember he was good in it. Like, I mean, seeing the everybody was talking about it, and I saw clips of him, and he was good. Uh, but uh, Paul Newman for Nobody's Fool. Oh, he's and, so good in that. And uh, John Travolta for Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Man, it's hard to knock any of those out. Yeah, 94 was a big, big year. Like, it, was, it would be hard to knock any of those out. Now, in the supporting actor category, you had Martin Landau, who won for Ed Wood, Samuel L. Jackson for Pulp Fiction, Chaz Palminteri for Bullets Over Broadway. Um, might pick that one. Paul Schofield was nominated for Quiz Show. Oh, interesting. Your name is, is mine. My name. I love him. And uh, <laughs> Gary Sinise for Forrest Gump. Oh, mm. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. Okay, yeah. I might take that one. I might, I might flick him out with my pinky finger. It is a tough <laughs> year, but I would probably, I would put Totoro over probably Sinise. Yeah, I probably would too. It's just that I just don't feel like I, I can't think of too many other actors that could have made that work. Um, not with all the subtle nuances and the nagging wife and the nerdy son. And I just feel and it, he's just one of those actors. He's another actor that has never been nominated before. It's yeah. interesting. When I walked in last week, Chris was watching Barton Fink. Yeah. And we watched it for a little bit. And it was John Goodman yeah. and John Turturro. Another on one the, where he could have gotten on it. Yeah, it, on the screen at the same time. And we were both saying, like, these are two of the most underrated actors of all time. You yeah, know? and Turturro was nominated for this movie for a Golden Globe yeah. and a Screen Actors Guild Award, but not for an Oscar. Yeah, you would think that would translate. I mean, yeah, and you're right. He is so, so good in this. It's like a different character for him, even. Like, I mean, Turturro is... For the most part, he he does play different characters or whatever. But for the you know a lot of times it's just it's John Turturro. He's talking, <laughs> and, and, you know you don't fuck and, with the Jesus. Uh, yeah, oh, I, and I'd like to have a blowjob from Christy Tarlington. You know uh, that type of thing. Um, uh, but but yeah, this is a, such a. I mean, this is so different. You don't really see Turturro in that. Yeah, He's, it's a it's one of those kind of performances and. Again, yeah, that is a really good one. And I feel like, yeah, one of these could have gotten lopped yeah. off. But at least in this case, it wasn't like, you know, they decided to nominate, you know, De Niro for something again just because he's De Niro. Or, or put Meryl Streep in the, the oh, supporting yeah, put, actor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, there just wasn't enough room in the actress category. So can you like make some room in the actor? That'll be fun. I mean, she's still technically an actor, even though it's not a male. You know, you can see what I'm saying here, right? I would love to see Samuel L. Jackson's reaction to losing to Meryl Streep. Oh, I know. Well, it's funny because you because I do remember that Oscars and when Martin Landau won, he go he visibly goes shit because <laughs> they have the five like Are you serious? they have the five like you know people oh, up man. there and he and it may not have been as loud as that but he was like shit like that you could see him that's on the telecast funny. saying yeah, that's that. perfect yeah it adds to the samuel l jackson oh, yeah, lore, especially after that perfect. jeremy simpson episode <laughs> um all right uh, I've got one that, that we all love that was shocking to me uh, to go back and realize that it wasn't nominated for Best Picture or Director, mm-hmm. and that's Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men. Oh, yeah, that's a oh, good one. Oh, wow. It, it won for Best that's Editing. unreal. Yes. This wasn't a crazy year for that, um, that thing. I know you're about to pull it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was absolutely insane. That is a... It, it was innovative, you know? I mean, yeah. it, it, those long shots, those action set pieces that center the movie, you know, Clive Owen didn't get nominated. It literally just won for best editing, yeah. and which is great, <laughs> which it re- yeah. definitely should have. But the scope of that movie, the themes that it deals with, the way that the immediacy of the shots, that 
absolutely should have at least gotten nominated. Uh, I believe we may have gone over this a little bit when we went through the 2006 year, but this is a mega snub. Yeah. Um, so The Departed won in 2006. Mm-hmm. We understand that. But here are the movies that got nominated along with it. Babel. <laughs> fuck Babel. Yeah, fuck that movie. Letters from Me with Jima, which I'm okay. I'm fine with that. Little Miss Sunshine, which I know you guys are really big on, but fucking put Children of Men oh, instead yeah. of that movie. Yeah, like, yeah. And then and then the Queen. You could put Children of Men there easily. The yep. Queen is the Queen is a two hour movie about whether we should fly the flag at half staff. Yeah. That's about what it is. <laughs> like the Prime Minister talking to the Queen. Should we like you know like well she's not really a princess anymore. She died. I understand, but we I don't know if we should put the flag at half mast. That's a whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can substitute it. God damn it. We got a movie like Children of Men sitting here and the fucking queen and the half-mast fucking flag. You described the queen much the way I described joy, like mm-hmm. boiling it down to its bare essence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it now. It's kind of, well, I mean, the movie Jackie, which is just a decent movie and everything, is also kind of like what the queen is for me because- uh, obviously, we have a, a central death that uh, starts our starts our movie off, and then uh, it's mainly about how they should do the funeral procession. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, it goes back in time. It shows a lot of different. I mean, it's it's not just that. That's very reductive of me. But hmm. a lot of that movie is about the, what the funeral route's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and Natalie Portman's great in it. But you know, it's one of those type of things. <laughs> I want to talk about something real quick. Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. This is. I've never really. Uh, I've always admired Natalie Portman. I always thought she was beautiful. All these type of things. I never really understood if she was a good actress or not. Hmm um like there were some movies that came in and i can see a glimmer of like a good actress there black swan was probably the first time i really thought she was a good actress jackie she's great yeah let's keep hearing that like like i think she's finally there like she's learned all the things that she needs to learn to be a great actress it's like one of those things where at the beginning of it i was like oh man she's she feels it feels like she's just putting on this like show at the beginning of it and then i was like the beginning of the movie is just her being an interviewed with Billy Crudup and Billy Crudup is asking her questions and everything. I was like, okay, maybe she's like this for the interview. I'll see if she's like this everywhere. And then like, once she starts talking and it's not interviews and stuff like that, she, it's a slight change to it and everything. And she's really good and very varied type of performance. And I was like, I really like Natalie. I think she's a great actress Mm. in this. Like all the other stuff, like that, yeah, she's serviceable, you know. V for Vendetta and uh, Black Swan, all these, yeah, she's good or whatever. She's great. You enough. could see the raw talent in the professional. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah, she was, beautiful girls. No, I mean, yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah. girls was another one, and, and I always knew that she had it in her. It's just that, you know, it was just never like when the first time she started taking like big adult roles, even like closer and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I was just like, not quite feeling her yet it was a, a little bit a tiny bit wooden yeah, yeah 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 not quite feeling her yet as a, as a great actress but now she's she's definitely hit that and you know she's now she's like about 35 or something mm-hmm. she's gotten some experience maybe she'll her, be the next meryl streep maybe so <laughs> just never know around. never know it's gotta, gotta have to be somebody yeah meryl streep ain't gonna last forever yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> they need to do river wild yeah. too <laughs> well wait a minute they'll find a, they'll find a way because they'll, they'll figured out that futurama like head in the jar shit by the time that Meryl Streep died. 
Um, I want to see a River Wild prequel with a CGI de-aged Meryl Streep yeah. running that gauntlet for the first time as a teenager. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just gave somebody a really bad idea. Yeah, and it's going to happen now. Yeah, you wouldn't need fault. to CGI you Kevin You put that Bacon. out in the world. Um, okay, here's one of the biggest ones. Uh, and actually, you're going to probably hear Scorsese's name come up quite a bit, but uh, Scorsese in 1976 was not nominated for Best Director. Mm. Uh, Taxi Driver was. Uh, the year that, uh, in 1976, the, the category... They gave Ingmar Bergman a nomination. Ingmar Bergman, kind of like Meryl Streep as far as giving nominations. Yeah. Just because he made a movie, there's <laughs> like, let's give him a nomination. Fuck it. What um, did he make that year? Uh, the movie was called Face to Face. Oh. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's not any, I mean, he's still making good movies in the 70s. I haven't seen Face to Face. Can't really say one way or the other. I have seen a couple of Ingmar Bergman movies in the 70s. I'm like, all right. But i mean come on you know it's one of those come on type of things and then there's another one named lena wert wert mueller wert mueller something like that mm -hmm. uh for seven beauties All and right. uh, yeah Never we heard of it. we still talk about seven beauties today <laughs> um but the other nominations were john avildsen for rocky it makes sense Sidney lumet for network that makes sense and alan j pacula or age alan j pacula Mm. For all the president's men, all those deserving nominations. Those other two, they didn't give best picture nominations to those other movies or anything. They obviously saw Taxi Driver and said, "This is a movie worthy worthy of being nominated." And then they said, "Scorsese had nothing to do with that." I don't think you know. I mean, a lot of times we are also being kind of reductive about the the selection process. I don't think it's as simple as we're we're putting it down. Mm -hmm. I think because, and I, I believe directors nominate directors and huh. actors nominate actors and everybody nominates for best picture. So, uh, so if you're in the Academy and you want to nominate direct, this is why it's so weird when somebody gets a SAG nomination and they don't get the, the Oscars because those same people are nominated. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I think the director, the directors at this point, Scorsese is not, not exactly a popular dude in hollywood yeah and i don't think he ever has been really. no it, yeah apparently not right? yeah i don't think he ever has been i think he came in and and people were like how dare you come in and make movies that are awesome <laughs> you know? um and and so he's never been a popular dude and i think they just said no nah, fuck it ingmar bergman that's and then we'll put this other this lena wert mueller or whatever yeah, I'm probably being very, very dickish towards this. Probably has a, a career I had no idea about. Like, look at that. 20 amazing movies I've never heard of because I'm an American. And uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, that's something that surely you should have nominated for. Easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, OK, so I'm going to go with one of the best modern uh, working composers, and that's Michael Giacchino. Uh -huh. Yeah. He's only received... Uh, two nominations and only won one Oscar, mm -hmm. and that was for Up. Mm -hmm. Great oh, score. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other nomination was Ratatouille, another mm -hmm. great score. But I still think his incredible score is better than both of those. And I've, I've told you how much I love that Star Trek theme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you can nominate fucking Suicide Squad for hair and costumes, yep. you can nominate a Star Trek movie for a best original score. Yeah. Did you? No. You've yeah. had three chances now with this bastard and his awesome themes, and you've just given it the finger. Yeah. I, th I mean, there's a lot of great working composers, but as far as like the new generation of great composers, he's like it. Now, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure if this is, I mean, 
it may it may have been just the fact that it was Star Trek and they were like, eh, fuck it. Um, but there are so there are also harder rules for like original song and score to get nominated because a lot of times uh, some of the same type of themes will be in a movie that the that a composer did before mm. they re- they wrote it for another movie like that was one of the classic things I think for uh, Moulin Rouge uh, had um, had a couple had an original song in Moulin Rouge but Baz Luhrmann intended for it to be in Romeo and Juliet. So it didn't get an original song nomination when it came out for Moulin Rouge. Interesting. And I think scores are the same way. Uh, if if you have uh, something that you, a piece that you wrote for this and didn't use it, and you're like, all right, I'm going to use it for this, it's not original score anymore. Now, I don't know if that's what happened. That's I know it has a little bit harder rules. Let's look at what happened in 2009, though. Uh, so... 2009 is when he got nominated and won for up so he so that's that's one possible reason i see because he was nominated for something else yeah now they they've done they've nominated him a same guy before yeah la la land is nominated for two original songs Mm -hmm. yeah and uh i think he's probably gonna screw it but i think uh i think uh like maybe james horner or hans zimmer one of those guys probably once got two scores nominated the other ones that year though are avatar james horner Ugh. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fuck was Alexander Desplat. Yep. Or Dipla, or whatever that fucking French name is. Diplo. Uh, <laughs> the Hurt Locker is Marco Beltrami and Buck Sanders. And then Sherlock Holmes, Hans Zimmer. <laughs> do you remember anything about the Sherlock Holmes score? I do not. No, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's good. I definitely mm. don't remember anything about the Hurt Locker score. No. Yeah. Um, I think Fantasy of Mr. Fox probably deserving. Avatar, mm. fuck, I don't remember anything about Avatar. School. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I was too distracted but, by the visuals to hear the But <laughs> Giacchino did win that year. Um, The Incredibles, which was 2004. That's one of the only scores in the last 20 years I've bought was Incredibles. Oh, really? It was that good. Original score in 2004, Finding Fucking Neverland won. God damn that movie. Who did they sleep with? That movie is the troll of the 2004 (laughs) Oscars. Yeah. (laughs) The Village, James Newton Howard. What? The Passion of the Christ, John Dabney. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, John Williams. That's good. And Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, Thomas Newman. Oh, and, wow. and I believe at this point, this is where Giacchino hadn't really made his name yet. You can see these guys who got nominated. It's like, oh, it's these are legends yep. and everything. But fucking Finding Neverland. No. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna have to listen to the score and see if I just get pissed off at it. You know, <laughs> like I'm gonna listen to this Finding Neverland score, <laughs> like see if that was deserving. And at you all. end up and you're like and weeping. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's so oh, beautiful. Yeah. It was so good. The movie was terrible. Why? Well, you know. I, I, I'm so wrong, Jan A.P. Kazmarek. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, one of those movies should have gotten kicked to the curb for The Incredibles, yeah. for sure. I agree. Yeah. All right. Do I want to do one more round? Yeah, let's do another one. Fuck it. Yeah, I don't like the fact that Michael Keaton wasn't uh, nominated for Spotlight. So mm. with Spotlight, there was so much support from everybody yeah uh, rachel mcadams was nominated mark ruffalo was nominated both rightfully so the uh director tom mccarthy also nominated mm-hmm. um 
But Michael Keaton, man, Michael Keaton is the glue for this whole thing, mm-hmm. both in the story itself and in the movie. I mean, because he is the tie to the city. And we were talking about Boston movies and like how they could just keep making them. Like mm-hmm. there's something about, except for Patriots Day, yeah, I guess. But, Although uh, I've I've heard now this could be totally way off, but that movie is actually pretty good. Really, I've actually heard it's good. Which movie? Patriots, Patriots Day. Day. And like, oh. but the thing is, I mean, it got like an A cinema score, which is unheard of. Uh, uh, it, it's still, I'm I'm a little worried about the sources of those people who yeah. are saying that that movie is good. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, he is Boston has that unique connection to their their thing. That's why you get the town and and yeah. how you get that second layer to it. Goodwill Hunting. The it's same amazing thing. how Boston becomes a character in all these movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a different way than something like New York or Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like a certain attitude. Gone Baby Gone is the same thing, yep. you know. And with this, like, you can see Michael Keaton's character throughout, like, burning his bridges mm-hmm. to get this story out because yeah. it's so ingrained. This whole you know priest molestation scandal is so ingrained to the city where they've been covering it up for so many years, where it's just like, you know, these things happen, you know, it's it's part of our town, you know? Mm-hmm. And he has to just, like, break through that bullshit yeah. and, uh, you know, ruin friendships and everything for, for the greater good. And he's like, you know, what this is all, how it's always been done. And the way that he plays those things, he has a very serviceable accent from what I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wears his emotions, starting at Birdman, I guess, he just wears his emotions so openly and nakedly on his face mm. that it's it's just awesome to watch mm. and the fact that he wasn't even nominated is is ridiculous i mean you could have done actor or supporting actor ruffalo was uh nominated for supporting actor uh and he's awesome but michael keaton should totally have been in the running somewhere in that year mm. in this year in the last year there's even that part in gone baby gone about the boston stuff where uh, Ed Harris is like, you think you're more from here because you were born here? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. the truth of the matter is I've lived in this city since before you were born. Yeah. So uh, does that make me less or more of a Bostonite than you? Yeah, it's, it, there's something different about Boston than yeah. any other major city. And I, I can't tell you what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I do like watching those movies. It's the way that they talk. It's like even uh, Mystic River is set in Boston. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, The Departed, where well, it's got it's oh, got yeah. uh, Alec Baldwin. It's like, well, you one of those fitness freaks? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have you have some of the same uh, elements in there too. You like Mystic River. You've got uh, the author Dennis Lehane. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so a lot of times you have Ben Affleck behind the behind the camera, or Matt Damon's on there, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's these there's people who know Boston and yeah. and have lived there and know what they're talking about a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I see come through. Yeah, a lot of times. Like, I mean, yeah, once it gets to New York and Chicago and L.A. and all these big places where there's not there's very few that actually make those cities characters at, at all. Uh, it's just kind of like, well, this is something that's happening in New York. You know, yeah, it doesn't have background. anything to do with New York. Mm-hmm. You know. But all these Boston movies are very Boston. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yep. Um, so the year that you're talking about is 2015. So you had Mark Ruffalo for sure. Um, you also had, okay, so Mark Rylance won. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale for The Big Short. Um, Tom Hardy for The Revenant. And then, yeah, Sylvester Stallone for Creed. Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the- another one of those you're just taking up space here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot of space, too. Yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah. I mean, not tall, but he's wide. He's taking up a lot of space. Everybody <laughs> thought he was going to win, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a thought. Like, he was going to win it. Like, it was just basically give him a lifetime achievement of being, you know, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, Stallone easily could have been slid off of, you know, for Michael Keaton. Um, I, the best actor, let's see, let's look at that real quick. That was a strong year, too. So, I mean, that was Leo that won. You had Brian Cranston for Trumbo. You had Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. This is actually the list that Jeremy read off yeah. for, you know, the, the stacked most category. stacked yeah. category there. Um, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, and then uh, Matt Damon for The Martian. Now- I mean, it, it's hard to to bump any of those guys. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I think in supporting actor, he could probably could have done it. There's really no lead character in that. Mm-hmm. I guess it's him by default. But uh, the the story is the lead. That sounds really cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> At least you recognized it before you were finished. <laughs> right in the it. middle of it. Um. Well, we mentioned Gone Baby Gone, and that did not get a Best Picture nomination. Now, Bullshit! That's a travesty. 2007, the movie didn't do anything. Ben Affleck, that was his directorial debut. There are a lot of factors into in why Gone Baby Gone. It got completely missed mm-hmm. by people. I mean, nobody really knew it was that good. But Amy Ryan got nominated, so yep. it's not like it. You know, people didn't know what Gone Baby Gone was. <laughs> um the the 2007 obviously was a great year that was yeah. one of the last times we talked about the probably the last great year that we've seen uh but the category was winner was no country for old men then there was there will be blood michael clayton juno and atonement i could i could do without juno or atonement yeah, in that and I, and I like juno a lot but it's not gone baby gone it's no. not best picture caliber right and uh and atonement's the same way atonement's got it got its moments in it and everything, but I I couldn't I don't remember anything much mm. about Atonement at all. Just um, how sad and fucking depressing it is. Yeah, and uh, and and yeah, <laughs> I remember being sad. Why do people I, keep making movies like? Yeah. Watch this person suffer for two hours. Yeah, um, I I also wrote down in this in this year uh, that Casey Affleck probably should have gotten nominated for Best Actor in this in this year. Uh, the winner was Daniel Day Lewis. You yeah. weren't going to win there, but you could have gotten nominated because it was Clooney for Clayton, <laughs> Clooney for Clayton, <laughs> George Clooney for Michael Clayton, Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd. Oh my Fuck God, he's still that. trading on this fucking goodwill. Yeah, yeah, and I like that's probably the last time I actually liked Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. But God damn it, give, yeah. give, <laughs> give me a break. Um, Tommy Jones for the In the Valley of Ella, which I did watch. I couldn't tell you anything about that movie now. It was another one of those Paul Haggis movies that, you know, well, Paul Haggis, he's the toast of the town. Let's nominate everything he does. And uh, Viggo Mortensen for Eastern Promises. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wouldn't kick Viggo Mortensen off, but I would definitely kick Johnny Depp off or Sweeney Todd and put Casey Affleck there, who that was his star-making role. Yeah right there he had been a supporting and like background character actor forever and then he comes in and i was like not expecting him to be the the guy he is well and now look where he is right and now he's nominated for manchester by the sea and Mm -hmm. is probably going to be considered one of our best young actors from this point forward yeah yeah Uh, but you know you have to believe ben saw something in him Mm -hmm. 
and knew he could carry that role. Yeah. It wasn't just nepotism because he owns that role. Yes, he does. And, you know, growing up together, I mean, I didn't see anything in Goodwill Hunting from Casey Affleck that made me think, oh, he's going to be great. Right. He's <laughs> mm-hmm. just one of those wisecracking Bostonites. But Ben knew he had mm-hmm. to know. I don't think you make this decision. Well, without it's, it. uh, it's interesting you bring up Goodwill Hunting because in the I believe it's the commentary for Goodwill Hunting. Um, they're talking about how they they didn't nobody on set knew what Casey Affleck was doing on that on that movie. They but they they loved his performance. Chuck when, once, got a double every, burger. Yeah, <laughs> when everything was cut together, they're like, oh, now we see what you were trying to do. He was, you know, he was it was, and it turns out terrific. You're right. It's not like you're gonna think that he's gonna be like fucking gone, baby, gone, Casey right. Affleck. Um, but they they were really it was kind of sort of like the depth pirates of the caribbean thing they didn't know what he was doing i mean there's like a lot of improv in there like the whole thing with the i think the the baseball glove all right explain that by the way yeah so he goes off and he's like what are you you're jerking off in my mom's bedroom again mm-hmm. and he comes down he's like hey guys you know and he's like do you jerk off into the glove and he's like no i use the glove for the cleanup what the fuck is that? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. How do you clean up jizz I with the fucking baseball mitt? Guarantee you, it was some sort of, <laughs> it was some sort of improv they included in, and they just thought it was so funny they couldn't leave it out. Because yeah, you're right. What the, what fuck? the fuck is right? Because <laughs> the way he says it, I just use it for cleanup. Yeah. He's not even expecting that to be in the movie. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you actually use it as a fight, like it makes sense to use it as an aid, mm-hmm. but not as a cleanup. <laughs> as an aid. <laughs> Only, well, I don't know that not it makes even as sense aid. to use it as an aid, but I think I could come up with plausible scenarios. Yeah, how right? you could you, But not for cleanup. Right. Yeah. No. But he he was in stuff like To Die For. He was Joaquin yep. Phoenix's uh, friend in that and everything. I mean, there's a lot of little things that, you know, Casey Affleck was in in the 90s that you're like, yeah, he's pretty good. But yeah, never wants anything where you're like, he's going to be gone. Because Gone Baby Gone, I was like, fuck this guy. How's he going to be? Yep. You know, I was really going into Gone Baby Gone thinking that. You Think know? about, I mean, if you're Affleck and you want to have a career in directing and you get this as your first big shot, you fuck that up. You're done. Yeah. It's going to be ages before you direct again. Yeah. And he puts it all in the hands of his little brother. Mm-hmm. My brother would never do that with me. <laughs> yeah. He could easily have played that role himself. I and think it so. Been, and it would have been probably very good. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad he didn't. Yeah. I'm so glad he didn't because, it. I mean, it's better with him, Casey, doing the, doing the stuff because Ben Affleck you know what you're going to get from Ben Affleck at this point in, in any kind of performance, especially like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally he shows some flashes that he could be better than he is as an actor. And he's not bad as an actor. I don't want to get that uh, you know, twisted or anything. He's he's decent as an actor. He's always, served, yeah, he's, he's always served. Yeah, he's always served. And in fact, this uh, past year, The Accountant, he's one of his best performances I've ever seen him in. Um in uh, Hollywood Land, he was really good just before uh, this movie came out, before Gone Baby Even Gone. in the town, I think there's a, a little extra flourish there in his mm-hmm. acting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But uh, but no, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the same. OK, so that's uh, we could probably go a lot on yeah. snubs. Like uh, sometimes I feel a little bit hacky on this because we're coming up with stuff that's fairly recent and everything. We'll one day look back into some of the older, older oh, yeah, years yeah, yeah. and everything. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is something that there's like a million that we could come up mm-hmm. with, and I'm sure we'll revisit it next year. Yeah.
This episode is brought to you by uh, Nature Box. And, yeah. uh, and uh, once again, you can go to uh, naturebox.com slash syncast and get 50% off of your first order. That's almost half. That, yeah, right? That, That's almost, it's very nearly, it's very, very nearly, nearly half. It's My right. math is right. The, the mean is half. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the nature box has healthy snacks they're yep. like there's not it's not the you know it's not a lot of stuff that you get at a gas station you're not getting a lot of preservatives you're nope. not getting a lot of the artificial colors and whatnots and <laughs> and the and the have fours and the uh... <laughs> and the didgeridoos <laughs> <laughs> what a maroon um, i'll tell you what nature box does well man i love popcorn mm-hmm. and nature box kills popcorn yes, yes. I mean, they murder it. They, like, here's here's what happened to me on the night of Game Seven of the World Series. Mm-hmm. So I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, and Nature Box just happened to have this Chicago mix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's caramel and white cheddar popcorn, mm-hmm. and I tow up that bag <laughs> by myself. My wife came in. She was like, "Can I have some pop?" No, gone. Yeah, gone. Yeah, and the bag. Said, no. yeah, the bag the was bag. gone. <laughs> I mean, game seven. You, you'd probably be well, like really hungry. Oh, I was eating everything in sight, especially right? considering the the ups and downs of that game. Yeah, Rajay Davis. Boom. Oh, oh the Cubs fans. They're like, oh. I'm, I'm going to eat all this popcorn and just, I'm just I'm, I may have to turn off the television for a while and yeah. just and just uh, bury my sorrows in nature box. <laughs> But that um, was awesome, and based on that, we uh, ordered the uh, the buffalo popcorn, yeah. the buffalo flavored popcorn. Holy crap, that's and it's good. just the right amount of spicy. Oh, it's it's a little bit sweet. It's so good, man. I was snacking on it when Chris and I were making dinner for yeah, each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't that say was. That. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> we can easily cut that out. <laughs> what I like about Nature Box is the the variety, like because everybody's got a different palate, right? Like my mm-hmm. wife likes spicier snacks than I do. I'm not real a real hot food person. I'm more into like zesty, salty snacks, something sweet maybe. You can get any any combination, any and all of those different flavor profiles. They have it in spades, and so if we get a box. My wife can get a couple of spicy snacks. Uh, habanero whatever's and well that i don't think they actually make habanero whatever <laughs> yeah they do they totally make habanero they don't, whatever they should inspired by jeremy on the yeah. syncast here's a bag of a, habanero a, whatever it's a bunch of question marks <laughs> that's right i'm about to trademark that mm-hmm. yes um no anyway uh the variety is really great ships to your door legwork zero Exactly. Save 50% on your first order. Yep. That is the best thing. Not any work at all. Yeah. Just go to a website and say, all right, I want this. And then it comes <laughs> to your door. Yeah. And that's the best thing in the world. It's like a, it's like having Christmas, you know, like, you know, a, 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 a package just shows up on your door and it's got a nothing but tasty treats in yeah. it. Who doesn't like getting packages? Even if, even if it's like cat food, I order right. for my cat. I like getting packages. But yeah. when it's for me and it's tasty snacks. Yes. Yeah. The best. Absolutely. Right. Makes you feel important. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, join Nature Box to feel important. <laughs> that's right. That's correct. That should be the new ad slogan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, the, that that's the main thing for me though is that all the all the snacks that have ever come in, I'm like, man, I, some of these I don't know. This some of, some of this assortment, I don't know if I really want that or whatever. And then you try it and you're like, whoa. 
this is the most delicious that that I could possibly think <laughs> yeah, of. Exactly, exactly. So um, anyway, yes, uh, uh, everybody, if you want to go to NatureBox, go to NatureBox.com slash SendCast, get 50% off your first order, and uh, that'll do it. Do it. Do yeah. it. On to segment two. We're also going to get to get, we continue talking about Oscars. This one is they got nominated, but they didn't win. They what? didn't win. They what? didn't win. Record scratch. Exactly. <laughs> Record scratch is right. Record scratch. I did the, I did the motion when I did that. I think that's what got Barrett. Record scratch and it's at a 45 indeed. degree angle too. Yeah, that's how you scratch records. That's how you do it. You stab at them from above with your hand. Yeah, at a 45 degree angle. Yeah, I yeah. I know. I talked to Larange once. I know everything I need to know about mm-hmm. records yeah. and DJing. Yeah, yeah. my dad was a piano mover. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, um... <laughs> um, All right. So, uh, I'll, uh, Jeremy, you want to kick us off on the didn't win? I would love to kick us off on the they didn't win. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, Saving Private Ryan for best picture. That's right a good off one. The bat. That's wow. a good one. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. And I know what won. Mm-hmm. You know what won. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare in Love is what won. Yeah. Yeah. And Shakespeare in Love is was a, is a charming, fun little film. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. That I never want to watch again. Right. Uh, but because it's Shakespeare, I think that's what I think that's what did it. I really don't know how Saving Private Ryan. It's almost like it's almost like what you were saying with uh, Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Like, go through the nominees for that movie. Outside of Shakespeare and Love, you're going to find other shit that should drop off way before. The, you're no Saving Private Ryan, motherfucker. Yeah. Clear out. There is there's not a movie that uh, captured our you know I don't know all the senses like Saving Private Ryan did. Uh, I remember, I remember the first day this movie opened um, at uh, when I was at my old theater, Williamson Square, and I had we had we got it late. We got it the morning of it actually playing. Oh yeah. So I had to build it really fast, and like that first show, you know, was you know it was. It, hopefully, it goes well. We had a sold out show on that first show. My manager was very. Uh, uh, like let uh, let me watch the movie let me he's like you can watch it you came in here and built it and all mm-hmm. that and i was like okay cool and that man i was floored yep. by this movie yeah that's the first 20 minutes that mm-hmm. assault on normandy is staggering yeah oh yeah like I, I maybe this new nolan film dunkirk is going to give us some of those same kind of visuals yeah but uh, prior to saving private ryan i had never seen anything that made war feel so fucking scary. Now, oh, yeah. one thing that you are getting here in this late 90s period is you're getting the Weinstein brothers who, uh, you know, the Miramax was behind Shakespeare in Love. Uh, the, the Weinsteins were classic whiners and diners yeah. and campaigners for their movies and stuff. That's why you got a lot of weird stuff like, you know, the year Chicago got nominated, it was Best yeah. Picture, and then Best Director went to freaking Roman Polanski. And, yeah. All this other stuff. Uh, you had a lot of weird stuff like that happening, and they were they're they were good at their you know they were good at their jobs at getting these movies like trumped up and everything. This is a really bad one though. This is a bad one. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare and Love's a good movie. It is not Saving Private Ryan. I think anybody. I mean, there's no wave of anything right. there. I mean, yeah, Shakespeare. I mean, sure, it, Shakespeare and Love definitely had a wave. But it wasn't like Saving Private Ryan where you're like, and then you gave Spielberg best director. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's it's just it doesn't make any sense at all. Do you all. think there was a little bit of war fatigue because the Thin Red Line and Life is Beautiful were also nominated? Of course, Life is Beautiful is not a war movie, but it's yeah. a place. It was all World War Two. They were all World yeah. War Two, And then you had the two Elizabeth movies, Elizabeth and Shakespeare in Love. Uh, maybe, but Shakespeare, Saving Private Ryan is so different from the Thin Red Line. Like, yeah. completely oh, yeah. different. Oh, yeah. Thin Red Line is a ponderous, poetic type of movie. Mm. Saving Private Ryan is an action war film. Um, and I, I don't know what they were thinking there. That's just, that doesn't make any sense. No. And you just keep looking back at it and it's like that's a, that's a total waste. I think if, if you were to, if you were to give 10 people the list of categories that didn't know what the winner was mm-hmm. and ask them what, what the winner was out of this kind of, it would be all 10 that would say saving private Ryan. Almost. Yeah. I bet. yeah, absolutely. You'd have to, you know, you have to get somebody who really knows their Oscars yeah, to yeah. say, no, actually it was Shakespeare <laughs> in love. Um, that's a really good one though. That's one that doesn't make sense at all. Um, and yeah, bad one, really yeah. bad. Didn't win. Mm-hmm. Bad Academy. Yeah. Bad Academy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, with 1972 francis ford coppola for the godfather yeah mm. um the godfather one best picture this is a rare split in the 70s here you don't get this often like you, we start we start getting it a lot like start towards the 90s with the saving private ryan thing and all that and then later on like there's some years in a row that it's happened but um, I don't know what the Academy's thinking here either. Like Coppola must have been one of those just that he was a new kid on the block. He mm. had he had not done anything before The Godfather. That by the way, uh, either read read the book or watch The Kid Stays in the Picture, the Robert Evans oh, thing, yeah. which also documentary now <laughs> went through. Um, watch that or read that book sometime. That's just great stuff about The Godfather um but coppola this was basically his first big movie and man how in the world did he slam godfather like this? i mean I nobody know. really thought godfather was going to be anything it was a best-selling book it was but it was kind of it was kind of one of those pulpy books it was a that trashy book. on the beach and stuff mm-hmm. yeah and he elevated it It was a trashy book and they didn't and and i think and but robert evans like in the book he was like He's like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, Give me, you know, I need, I think it was in Rage, uh, Easy Riders Raging Bulls where they talk about this, but uh, where's the, where's all the good stuff that you shot or whatever? And like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, and I think that, I think it was like a, you know, it was supposed to be like a four or five hour movie or something or whatever. But anyway, um, they gave it to Bob Fosse for Cabaret, yeah. which is okay, fine. It ain't the Godfather, no. man. Come on. I mean, and and the, all the stuff that you have to to juggle in the Godfather, come on! <laughs> um, what a weird year, too. Yeah, you you had Mankiewicz for Sleuth, which was uh, that uh, Michael Caine. I can't remember who else was in it. That's basically but <laughs> Michael. They remade it with Michael Caine and Jude Law later. Uh, uh. Um, and then they had uh, somebody named Troel for The Immigrants, which I don't mm-hmm. remember anything about that movie. And then John Borman for Deliverance makes sense, but uh but uh god i mean that's the that's the crowning jewel in that category is coppola and he they did give it to him for godfather 2 two years later but he should have had two but in, and then you look at the supporting actor because you had duvall you had pacino and you had james Kahn, mm-hmm. and none of them won yeah yeah <laughs> 
Well, seriously, that's, I mean, that's it, one of those where it could have easily been a split vote. Well, yeah, because Marlon Brando did win, and that's mm-hmm. when he sent up Little Feather uh, yeah, in his right. in his place. So that was just kind of a bonkers fucking wow, ceremony. Yeah. I'm sure. You oh know? yeah, I bet it was. I bet people were just like out of their minds in that ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> they were probably on drugs, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, but yeah, that's a big one that didn't win. Uh, so anyway. Well, I have the Citizen Kane of they didn't win. Okay. And that's Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Uh, Citizen Kane did not win Best Picture in 1941. Yes. I mean, that's, that's absolutely insane. And the one of the greatest pictures of all time. What we're finding out here through all this Oscar history here is that if you're a first time director, if you don't have the name yet, mm-hmm. if you a lot of these things now, a lot of times they'll slip these some of these newcomers will slip in and they'll win an Oscar. But Anna Paquin. Yeah, I think Anna Paquin. And, and but uh, just uh, as, as far as directors and, and writers and all this stuff. Uh, Citizen Kane was not a beloved movie back in 1941. Yeah, obviously not. I I'm, mean, it did get Best Picture nomination, so there was obviously a lot of people who did like it. It got nominated for actor, mm-hmm. uh, director, and for uh, for picture, and didn't win any of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think anybody knew what the greatness of Citizen Kane was yet. I don't think people had really dissected Citizen Kane yet. To I, maybe maybe they did. Maybe they knew all the techniques that he had invented, basically, for that movie. <laughs> How, wouldn't you be in awe, though, if you were in 1941 and you saw that shot coming in through the roof of yeah, the, I, the casino? I would be, but may, maybe back then it was like, I don't, I don't kowtow to these new... <laughs> Mm, yeah. these new filming techniques i like that voice that's like a horrible boss's two voice <laughs> looks like a grasshopper found himself a bleeding grass yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like i don't i i am suspicious of these new filming techniques <laughs> that coming out with in hollywood this 26 year old buck named old orson wells he was 26 i know and i think that a lot, i think that's what uh a lot of a lot of people probably said he's 26 he'll he'll get his i guess but i mean you had like it's a populist movie it's it's a yes people have dissected it but it's not really a hard movie to enjoy yeah uh it's got you know intrigue it's got sex it's got you know political stuff it's got you know rich people doing rich shit you know (laughs) Um, who doesn't like that exactly i mean and it's just uh it's just a very enjoyable obviously it's an amazing movie but it even the first time that you watch it, it's enjoyable to watch, even all these years later, you know? And, and who knows? There also might have been something from William Randolph Hearst trying to get that. Uh, I mean, because oh, yeah, the, yeah. the movie was supposedly loosely based on William Randolph Hearst. Maybe he had some, some pull there. But, I mean, it did get nominated. I do think, I just think that the Academy, and it's pro- it was probably old back then, too, mm-hmm. uh, was just like, you know, this young whippersnapper, he doesn't deserve the uh, the Oscar yet. And it's they gave a- it to Hal Green was my valley. Yeah, yeah. It's um, probably the same people that are that are still there today. Yeah, it probably is. You're probably right. <laughs> They're you're not, 180 you're not years wrong. old. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people like Mickey Rooney still in the Academy or whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, because especially now when, like, that movie has been elevated to best of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's been best of all time for years and years mm-hmm. and years. 
uh, all to the point now that I don't think anybody's ever going to make a movie that people will say is better than it. You know, it's that I think that's where it gets into overrated category. It's like the Beatles. Nobody's ever going to say a band is better than the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or more influential than the Beatles. And and yeah. they forget that they forget that sometimes those bands made bad songs or they yeah. you know they Or you you haven't seen 50 years into the future. Fuck you. Yeah. I like Citizen Kane a lot. Mm-hmm. But it, how often are you reaching for it on the Blu-ray shelf to it, watch? It's it? not often. It's yeah. I mean it, it, but back in 1941 um you know, it's I don't know. I, I really do think at the time it was more about its politics at that point and still is. Yeah, to, sure. I mean, it still is. I really do think it wasn't. There might have been a lot of people who thought that was the best movie. Yeah. But they just said, yeah, not yet. Well, it's just crazy. I mean, because you've got Citizen Kane, he had Suspicion, Hitchcock's Suspicion, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you had the Maltese Falcon. Right. And How Green Was My Valley. Fucking mm-hmm. one yeah. Which is another. I mean, I mean, that's a movie we don't talk about at all. No. Yeah. Oh, but um, for the record, my valley was really green. It was that, yeah. It was green as shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How green was it? Very, <laughs> very green. Very green. I have a whole valley that I bought. How green is it? Uh, okay. You got one? I just did. You did that one? Did oh, that King. was Citizen Kane, yeah. so it's my turn again. Yeah, I don't have as many as you guys, so I'm going to have to drop out of the cycle here pretty soon. But I, it still blows my mind that Tarantino uh, didn't win Best Director for Pulp Fiction. Mm. <laughs> um in part because of how much Forrest Gump has paled for me. Absolutely. Since that year. I mean, I, I saw it when it came out. I liked it. I wasn't angry that it won. Mm-hmm. I was glad Tom Hanks won. Yeah. But uh, in hindsight, it just it gave it to the wrong movie. Like, and and also you had Quiz Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, were, there were plenty of other options. And we're going to give Best Director to Zemeckis for Forrest Gump. was such a strong year. And then, yeah, I mean, Forrest Gump, there was nothing that was going to stop that. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was, I mean, the movie was an epic. It was classic Hollywood type of stuff. In the 90s, especially, you look at all these movies that win. There are a couple of, like, you know, uh, wild cards in there, like Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. But for the most part, in the 90s, they were going for these big, epic movies. Um, and, and Forrest Gump uh, was uh, a top was the top box office draw that year everybody in the world loved that movie mm-hmm. it was hard to pick against it for anything but i believe again secretly everybody else liked pulp fiction better mm-hmm. and again we have a young whippersnapper tarantino coming yeah. in yeah we're noticing a pattern here. yeah that uh you know he had that was his second movie yeah and they they gave him the screenplay that's almost like sort of like saying we we see how great this movie is you know it was like later on next year the usual suspects won and everything uh so yeah i mean i agree i think everybody who watched that telecast by that point was like pulp fiction should really win this yeah yeah it's just not that one is one that that did make me angry because it was nominated for best picture best director best actor supporting actor supporting actress and editing mm-hmm. and got nothing yeah. besides the screenplay, the screenplay. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, which you, you had to share could... with roger avery and they hate each other now yeah although i think they may have reconciled or something like that the the fun the story the legend about the acceptance speech is that avery came up and said uh i have to pee and then he 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 left basically because he didn't want to share the stage with tarantino and everything yeah oh uh and then i think later on avery said he disputed that or whatever but who knows i'm who knows you know it's uh 
I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, was, uh, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, that was that was a funny moment that they both came up there and he's like, and Tarantino did all of his thing, and then Avery's like, I really like to stay around, but I got to pee. So blah blah blah. And that was it. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, from what I understand, Avery wrote uh, had a lot of the ideas that were. I mean, I don't know how much he wrote of it, but I do know that a lot of the ideas that were incorporated were Avery's more than they were Tarantino's. And I'm sure Tarantino took those ideas he had and, and made it Tarantino, you know, stuff or whatever. Who, I mean, who knows really? All we like, know is that he's got a, a good track record. Since yeah. Then, it's so. not like, it's not like he didn't make anything after that without Avery. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Um, but, uh, and what did Avery make? He made rules of attraction. Yeah, he did. Before that, and he I made Killing Zoe. Killing Zoe. That's yeah. just what I was thinking of. <laughs> um, and uh, he's been. He was. I think he was the uh, writer on um, that uh, Silent Hill movie too. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's had, Roger Avery's had a uh, you know an interesting he's had career. a better career in Hollywood than I have. Yes, he has absolutely. But yeah, that's a that's a good one. Uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. I think I remember going. Man, it'd be so great if this movie won, and it's just. He couldn't stop Forrest Gump. No. Couldn't stop. That's a shame. It. it was a Gump train. Yes, it was. <laughs> All aboard the Gump train. That's right. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Yep. Which would later be made into the Polar Express, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> which would then be made, remade into Snowpiercer. That's right. That's right. See, so you're learning a lot of movie history today. <laughs> no shit. Um, okay, so. Uh, in 1980, you could also say this for 1990 as well, for Martin Scorsese for Raging Bull. Didn't win in 1980. In 1990, uh, he lost to, to Kevin Costner for Dances with Wolves. Don't have a problem with that. Dances with Wolves is a great movie. And Kevin, That's a weird one, though. Kevin Costner was a young whippersnapper back then. Yeah. And Scorsese was the guy who had all the... Yeah. That shows you how much they fucking hate Scorsese right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dances with the Wolves was definitely the one of those movies that rode the wave and everything, yeah. and it wasn't going to get... It wasn't going to lose anything. Right. But they gave it to Kevin Costner, best director, over Scorsese <laughs> over all these years. But anyway, in 1980, Raging Bull... Uh, Scorsese didn't win. Uh, Robert Redford won for Ordinary People. Now, mm-hmm. Ordinary People is a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's not. God, <laughs> this is a theme, right? Yeah. It's not fucking Raging Bull, though. <laughs> like, Raging Bull has so many great film techniques and, like, performances and everything that a director has to be in command of. Scorsese knocks the shit out of the park. And Ordinary People, yeah, you have to. He, it's, it's a very nuanced character study blah 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 but man jesus christ how what does the guy have to do no this was his first nomination too um but uh in that category um you had polanski for tess richard rush for the stuntman and david lynch for the elephant man oh that's Um, interesting yeah um which i don't know if i don't think lynch has been nominated maybe he has that's small and drive might have gotten nominated wow but uh but yeah um raging bull has all the stuff that the academy typically likes too it's a biopic mm-hmm. it's an epic gaining got, weight for a role exactly yeah. yeah i mean you'd think that uh that would some of that would filter down to the the person that just, was in charge you there's know? some just there's <laughs> the just one person there's just the one some person. great scenes in raging bull though i mean you, the, you notice the talent behind the camera and it's 
Uh, it's just an odd thing. That was the, one of those odd trivia things where Scorsese lost to two actors turned directors in the best director category. He lost to Redford and he lost to the Costner. I think that, yeah, I understand the Dances with Wolves thing. Yeah, that, that, it's, it's not movie. nearly as egregious, but... I don't know, course, it's good, pretty egregious. Goodfellas because- is now one of the best movies of all time and that that's where he's really showing off too yeah. with the tracking shots and with all that stuff and and just this this crazy cast but and- i think as far as quality uh, the the chasm of quality between raging bull and ordinary people yeah. is bigger than from goodfellas and dance with goodfellas is um, i mean probably better than raging bull is yeah so that just goes to show how good dances with wolves was but Again, I mean, it's just another one of those things where they just say, eh, yeah. yeah, Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Uh, another, I still watch it every time it's on. No, it's a good movie. Except for when they kill the wolf and I flip it off because mm-hmm. I don't like watching that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's hard. You flip it off in two ways. I do. I flip the <laughs> channel and I extend my middle finger thusly. Extend your middle finger. <laughs> I don't know what you're The quoting. Naked Gun. You sound like you're from <laughs> London. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what's his name from the old commercials? We make money the old-fashioned way. Oh, they earn it. Yeah. And he's uh, the driving instructor in The Naked Gun, and he's got the the girl and the driver. And like, there's like the the sort of like a run-in or whatever, and he's like, okay, turn to your left, extend your middle <laughs> finger, and the guy like the guy in the truck's like, what? <laughs> That's that's some good instructing right that's there. That's right. I got one that's maybe a little controversial in here. Son this, of a bitch. Yeah, this one made me a little bit angry too. It's that Jack Nicholson didn't win for a few good men. Mm-hmm. Uh, best supporting actor. Now, the person who did win was Gene Hackman in Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Who's terrific. Yep. Who's amazing. Mm-hmm. But Nicholson's still better. When you look back on that year, which performance are you going to remember? Noah Wiley. I mean, this is controversial because I, I, I remember Hackman as much as the, if Nicholson doesn't have the you can't handle the truth line. Yeah, but he does. But if he doesn't. But you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's what makes that performance memorable more than anything probably is that i mean he's he's great in it and and that's the that's the one part though like if he didn't have that line we'd be like that was a good nicholson performance i don't think it'd be nearly as legendary without it i know but but With he one does, fucking line he does have, and he's in it for like 10 minutes that line is the culmination of the entirety of the movie though. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, the movie almost, you can make an argument, falls apart if he doesn't have that line mm-hmm. and that delivery. Yeah. I mean, this was quoted by everybody, including George Costanza and Seinfeld, like yeah. everybody. Sideshow Bob. I mean, yeah. I deride your truth handling yeah, abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, truth handler, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then you got like, you want me on that wall. You need mm-hmm. me on that wall. Which you wouldn't, I don't think you would remember as much if it wasn't for that one. Well, exactly. I mean, that whole speech, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it still kills me where he's like, who's going to guard that wall? You, yeah. you, Lieutenant Weinberg? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Paul, yeah, Kevin yeah. Pollock, yeah, out like, of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, out of all the people that you he You in the fourth row yeah. in the red dress? <laughs> <laughs> you people who were at the airfield that night? <laughs> Are you going to do it? I don't know. I mean, that is an indelible performance. I agree. I don't I don't I don't disagree that he he maybe 
possibly could have won, should have won for an, an iconic performance. Hackman's so good and fucking unforgiven, though. I'm just surprised he didn't win. Okay. You know? Because, yes, I agree. I love Hackman's performance in in uh, You just shot an unarmed man. Yeah. <laughs> He should have armed himself. Yeah. Well, that's the you can't handle the truth yes. of unforgiving. Yes, it is. <laughs> They're fueling their missiles. Oh, sorry. I we just don't have to... time to fuck around. <laughs> I just wanted to participate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do a bunch of Gene Hackman quotes <laughs> and prove that Barrett's wrong. Welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> yeah. Can we do uh, Runaway Jury? Yeah, Runaway Jury. Yeah. Wow. You just pulled that out of your ass. The I Chamber. Love... By the way, Runaway Jury is I think an underrated movie because oh, yeah? it's got that wonderful scene in the bathroom between Hackman and Dustin Hoffman mm-hmm. uh, where they're they're just seething at each other mm-hmm. and they're you know one is completely the dominant Hackman is the dominant one and Hoffman's this scrappy little you know underpaid lawyer and everything and he goes he fucking throws his nuts on the counter and he's like <laughs> yeah you want to go? We can go. Yeah, and it's it's a really cool scene. It's not like a great movie. Cusack is in it, but this uh, says something maybe about John Grisham. But I think you could take Gene Hackman from Runaway Jury and John Voight from or John John Voight from Rainmaker. Rainmaker. Swip them. Swatch them completely. Swatch them completely. <laughs> swatch them. Swip or swatch them. Yep. I said it wrong two different ways, uh, and you would never notice. Those characters yeah. are virtually the same exact thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Corporate so. Corporate evil yeah. guy. It, yeah. I'm going to put a tangent on a tangent here yeah. because you said when you said Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman, it reminded me of that Simpsons where they're watching that it was the Itchy and Scratchy movie. Yeah. And and Lisa comes home because Bart can't watch this movie. Uh-huh. It's the first time he's ever been punished, and he can't watch this movie. And Lisa's like, he's like, there were so many like there was so many guest voices like michael jackson dustin hoffman he's like he's like they didn't use their real names but you knew it was them calling back to the fact that those two actors did voices for the simpsons and didn't use their real names in the credits ah. yeah. but michael jackson reminded me gene hackman then dustin hoffman reminded me. that was go. a great tangent that was a tangent upon a tangent upon a tangent i'm gonna go back to the whole if you ask 10 people on the street uh who won in that category and show them a list nine to no, ten of them would wouldn't say be nine jack nicholson i wouldn't say nine you don't think so i mean maybe seven or eight i got a question that nobody would probably be able to answer off the top of their head who were the other three nominees that year i wouldn't know i would have to think and think and think for that probably or type into your computer <laughs> I will, right in front of but i will but i'm just saying that if you know if you were asking me straight up and I, oh no i wasn't trying to like test you 92. i just i just thought that you know wouldn't it be funny if there was one that i thought was more deserving than either of them we're, we're debating these two like and i don't remember who the other three were um so in 1992 best supporting actor oh it's interesting al pacino and glenn gary glenn ross yeah, yeah see david Paymer and mr saturday night okay. and jay davidson in the crying game oh well he was who, good in that so yeah um that was now that was the one i've always argued that jack lemon should have been in for al pacino on glenn gary glenn ross yeah they uh they should have um and i think i said this in that la- that yeah, long, long, long time ago pacino they definitely wanted they had never won the oscar he'd been nominated seven or eight times um and they gave him two that year i think just to basically say well we're gonna give it to you but if you know you're giving it to him for sin of a woman basically yeah you don't need to give him a nomination for glengarry glenn ross put jack lemon in there for god's sakes yeah he He's does a, have the showier role of the two in that movie. Pacino does. You think? 
Well, he's the one that does all the screaming and shouting. He's, yeah, he's, he's the got the one he's speech the at the shot. end. When yeah. Kevin Spacey fucks his deal yeah. up. You Never st- open your mouth you sh- until you know what the shot you is. You stupid fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt, you idiot? Who told you that you could work with men? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have your job, shithead. That's right. <laughs> I'm going downtown. I'm going to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. Because I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose dick you're sucking on. You are going out. I swear to you. I didn't know you had that much memorized. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, I know that whole thing. Um, yeah, you're right. It's showier, but Jack Lemon has the performance that's the best. I would it. agree. Because he goes through a whole range yeah. of, you know, it's his daughter. He's trying basically he's doing all this for his daughter. A lot of the phone calls where you don't really know what's wrong with his daughter and everything. He's just like, you know, so uh, so what are, what are they, they going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And then you just hear him, you see him reacting. Mm-hmm. You don't ever hear what's over on the phone and everything. And then, like, him trying to sell Kevin Spacey on stealing the leads. Yeah. Uh, the All the times that he's on the phone with these people who aren't going to buy anything. Yeah. He's in this full-on actor mode and everything. He's got so many, so much range in that. It's insane he didn't get nominated for that. I want to watch that movie like right now. I know. I, I saw it like it three days ago. It's fresh on my mind. That's how I know you were getting all that Pacino speech right. Mm-hmm. I just watched it. Yeah. He calls him a pansy at some point in there too, doesn't he? Uh, no, he calls him a fairy. A fairy. He's like, he's like, you fairy. You, you fairy. company man. <laughs> he's got this weaponry of insults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he just, he... He's supposed to be going into the office to be interviewed by the cops, and he like takes a half a step and then yells, "It's Kevin Spacey yeah. some more," and then takes a half a step back and keeps yelling. It's like he he half starts to go in the room like six different times. Yeah, yeah. I will say, I mean, I'm I'm I am somewhat shortchanging Al Pacino in that movie because he has a I, he has a lot of like fun stuff in it that just makes me. I I, I it's like. Uh, when he's telling Alan Arkin, he's like, he's like, because uh, you know why? They're not going to find the guy. And is, they're not going to find the guy. And he's like, they're not going to, he's like, because he's like, why are they not going to find him? Because it's stupid. <laughs> 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 and of course, they find him in like 10 minutes yeah. because, you know, Jack Lemon is stupid. <laughs> yes, and, yes, uh, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to go to questions? Let's go to questions. Question. Question. I got something to say. I'm listening. I like this one a lot. What are your favorite examples of physical comedy? This is stuff that you don't really hear people talk about very much these days because, you know, back in the day it was Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, and then you had kind of the newer wave of uh, what my pick is going to be. I guess I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin mm-hmm. was a just a terrific and probably still is physical comic. Yeah. Uh, the stuff that he does in The Jerk is unbelievable. The stuff he does in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yeah. is fantastic. The way he can contort his body, planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, especially the scene that Jeremy brought up in a past podcast with Darty Rotten Scoundrels when he's trying to come up with the name. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's just like, just like, like going, walking through that jail cell, trying to come up, and everything is wrong. And he keeps going, not Jesterson. Thomas Fells, uh, you know, goes through all that stuff. And then, like, you know, by the end of it, it like, it's like, you're, you're talking about Jameson? And he's like, yes! <laughs> We're like this! Crossing the fingers. Um, well, he's also great in Three Amigos, which yeah. I think is a, is a movie that is almost lost to time. You don't hear about it all not, that much. 
Oh, oh, yeah. I play um, it regularly. Oh, it's great. And I mean, just his physicality in that movie is almost like overseen because like when he's chained up to the wall, he's like, gotta make it, gotta make it. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. And then yeah. he goes back and like, and he's, Ow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking awesome. of Three Amigos, I get my wife with that mail plane joke all the time. The which one? The It's a Martin Short joke where he, the plane goes by and he's like, oh, it's a mail plane. I'm like, how do you know that? He's like, didn't you see its little balls? <laughs> <laughs> and he, in the movie, he's the only one that thinks that's funny. Yeah. Uh, but I, my wife forgets it every time. <laughs> Like her brain is wired to actually see a plane with a postal service logo on it when I say that phrase. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, John Ritter. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Particularly in the Three X Company days, uh, was a modern master of physical comedy. Um, he didn't do so much of that later in his career, probably because he was older. Uh, mm-hmm. But a lot of the humor came from him fumbling and stumbling around the apartment and the slamming door farces that they would get in. And so I wanted to mention him. Uh, but the one that always comes to my mind first for this kind of topic is Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. And yeah. It's evidenced plenty in the old I Love Lucy show, uh, whether it's the grape stomping or the chocolates going by too fast. I love the meat of vitamin or whatever it's vitamin of vitamin or whatever it is, where she's got to repeatedly taste this nasty health sauce <laughs> that's also got alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. So she's slowly going drunk. Uh, but th- she had a couple of different shows after I Love Lucy. Um, and I think one was called the Lucille Ball Show. Mm-hmm. And there's one episode, I'm pretty sure it was this show, that I saw that made a lasting impression on me where she's on stilts in a bedroom next to bunk beds. And I can't tell you any more than that. Except <laughs> that when I watched that, I that I think it was in college when I saw it. That was the first time I saw her as the physical comedian she was and not just a funny person. Mm-hmm. Um, because she had the same kind of chops uh, that you're talking about with Steve Martin or John Ritter and all the way up to, you know, your modern Jim Carrey. So anybody who's famous for contorting their body for humor's sake, she was as good as any of them. She had people rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely no hysterical. That I mean, that whole conveyor belt scene oh, yeah. will make you crack the fuck up to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it will. And my wife actually loves that show. So she'll put it on. It's on Amazon. Uh-huh. Um, and she'll put it on pretty regularly. And it, there's never not a laugh. And yeah. Anyway, she's one of the all time greats. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Chaplin and Keaton, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to say them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jackie Chan, I think, also. Yeah. Oh, good call. Um, but uh, I wanted to bring up a thing, because the Belcourt, a couple of years ago, our local Belcourt Theater, uh, played uh, a whole bunch of Charlie Chaplin movies, and I watched most of them. Um, and they even played some of his shorts and stuff like that, nice. like back in the day. And uh, the funniest part of all of those movies that I watched um he's he's got a short called the idol class and uh there's a there's a scene where he goes up to uh he finds a note from his wife his wife says uh i will be uh i will be sleeping in other rooms until you stop your drinking and and chaplin looks down at the he looks down at the note and, and you see that he's very sad and everything and then he 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 turns his back to the camera and you just start seeing him shake just like oh my god he's he's crying or whatever and then he turns he, he turns around and he's just shaking a new alcoholic drink right? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, genius. and he's just he's just he, he doesn't show that it's funny or anything this is classic comedy <laughs> stuff here 
uh, you know, he's just he's got that same dumb, the same blank expression on his face. <laughs> he he doesn't know he's doing anything funny. You know, <laughs> it's one of those type of things. Uh, yeah, Chaplin's great, and then Buster Keaton. If you ever watch The General, watch this. Just watch The General. That's a, just a great uh, Buster Keaton uh, masterclass in physical comedy. You can't go wrong with those guys. Nice. I want to throw one more out. Can I? Yeah, man. Michael Richards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I say this because yesterday. The channel I watch Seinfeld reruns on sometimes had cycled back to the very first episodes, like what Jerry's apartment looks completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Kramer is not the same Kramer in those episodes. Mm -hmm. He's just weird. Yeah. He doesn't come in the door crazy. He doesn't speak crazy. He doesn't have wild eyes. He just does weird shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And after a few episodes, when they retooled the show, that goes away and it begins to morph into this thing where just by walking into a room. Michael Richards could make the entire studio audience die laughing. Yeah. And he's famous for having like practiced so hard. Like he never wanted two door openings to be the same. Huh. He wanted every single time to be something different about it. Um, anyway, so he's a modern genius. What were you it's saying? interesting that you bring that up because a lot of times when you watch Seinfeld and Richards comes through the door, you hear the audience clapping and stuff like that. Now you think that it's just because it's Kramer and everybody loves Kramer, but a lot of the times it's because that's like the 10th or 11th take yeah. that he's gone through the door. <laughs> and like, there's an episode I believe in the series that shows like him multiple going through. Oh yeah. It's the clip show at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there's just a lot of those, like, he's he's missing whatever he's wanting to do with it and whatever, and he has, and then finally he gets it right. That's yeah. when you hear the resounding, like, you know, <laughs> woo, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. I've heard him described as a very, like, he was very anal retentive about his comedy. And mm -hmm. not, not a lot of comedians are like this, but the ones that are are just, they're just, like, hyper-focused on the specifics of kinds of things you and mm -hmm. I would never think of, right? Like, who, what kind of an actor goes, I got to walk in the room different this time. And still be funny. And instead of like tripping on my own feet, I'm going to accidentally bump my head. Like, I mean, yeah, the guy well, like went sleepless nights sometimes thinking about how to keep this fresh and keep this anyway. I just uh, I don't think he gets enough respect for the physical comedy because he's the only one on that show that's doing any of that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that's just a good one. To toss that one out there. Hit us with another cue there, B. All righty. What movie would you like to see again, but entirely from the villain's perspective? Ooh. All right. I'm going to say Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, um... Uh, do they have a big speech from their alien god? They're like, this <laughs> they, is their Independence Day. They had to have. They had to have, right? But they failed. They failed. And I want to see that. I want to see that yeah. big speech and then the subsequent failure. Um, I've always actually dreamed of an alien invasion movie where we got to see the aliens' uh, perspective. And not like in the way that, you know, this time they're actually they're it's bad aliens. We don't we would normally never want them to invade Earth and like yeah. win. But we want, you know, we want I want to see that perspective and everything and uh, Independence Day is as good as any other bad when it comes aliens. to that. That's genius. You could call it bad aliens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would remind people of bad Santa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'd have to have a relationship of some sort. With, <laughs> yeah, they'd have to be like a, a little kid, like an, an alcoholic <laughs> alien, and the ch and a and a kid alien that's a little bit too fat. No, the kid is a human. 
right? Ooh, yeah. And the bad alien is trying to not be as bad. He's the, he's the kid from Close Encounters of the Third Kind that Melinda Dillon yep. uh, uh, has to meet and greet when the ship comes. Exactly. The That's exactly. the same kid. Yeah. Because he's, he's, been, he's been in space for years. <laughs> he's the bad alien kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, my mind immediately went to two of my favorite 80s films, uh, The Untouchables and The Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Now, mm. in The Untouchables, we see Robert De Niro's Al Capone a few times. Mm. And he shares one key big scene where he he squares off with Kevin Costner in the lobby of the hotel. But 90% of this movie or more is from the hero's perspective, yep. the cops, the good mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't mind seeing, if you took kind of like the road to perdition approach, looking behind the scenes of Capone's organization and his lieutenants and henchmen and all the stuff that they had to deal with, not only in trying to stay ahead of the cops, but he's so notorious for his temper when his men screwed up. He kills that guy with a baseball bat for no reason. That, that guy, the cops storm the place. He kills the guy who happened to be working that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would make for a very interesting movie. And I think the same with Hunt for October. Show us that, that Russian student who we see a couple times, mm-hmm. uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. One of those Skarsgårds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but show him more. and Show mm-hmm. more of the Russian fleet as they try and find and track down this ship. I you think arrogant a, arse. You, you killed you, us. You killed us. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Like to, Because uh, uh, the way he finds Ramius in Hunt for October is, is he's got some smarts. And I'd yeah. like to see him like sort of plotting his course yeah, until and that moment, he's an arrogant ass and gets themselves killed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's supposed to be, you know, basically just as smart as mm-hmm. Ramius. Anyway, I think that'd be neat. Yeah. Nice. What do you got? We've been monkeying so much with this movie lately that I figured we can monkey it more. Let's monkey. Uh, wouldn't you like to see a Hans Gruber perspective on Die Hard? Now, have we Look, not seen his perspective in Die Hard? Here, here's what I here's what I want to see. I want to see. This plot was so meticulous. Oh, I want to see him from like Ooh, the like town a- type of perspective. Okay. Where mm-hmm. you see him kind of going through or heist or something like that, mm-hmm. where he's planning everything down to the minute details. And then when you get into the tower, you see it from his perspective. It's almost a horror movie mm-hmm. because he's got this boogeyman in the walls that he can't see, that he doesn't know, that keeps killing his men. He's got the best intentions in his warped little villain mind. Yeah. And you see this plan that he's meticulously done just unravel. And, you know, you see he's such a super genius, but you can see how little holes keep getting, like, mm-hmm. he's building frustration, things like that. I would like that. I think yeah. there's some potential there, especially if you go back and show more of the planning and the, I think you could do that really you gotta, cool. You got to recruit the right people. Yeah. You've got to, you know, get them furnished. You got to get them You got to go to the and diner and hire that guy after one guy, after Wayne Wayne Grove fucks up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wayne Grove. <laughs> I pulled it out of my ass. I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah. Wayne Grove. That's a little heat reference for you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I can see that. Like, if you, if you do everything, le- like, you he had hans gruber has this backstory that they kind of skate over yep. a little bit you know he was in this army and blah 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 and he recruited his best men and all that type of stuff it would be nice to see him in that sort of that pre uh you know pre the tower nakatomi tower like recruiting his guys i'd like to know how he got theo on there and yeah got, and he's know. so he's so quick and personable and and you know and villainous mm-hmm. that like that would make really fun watching yeah yeah exactly good call all right next one 
What are your favorite non-English speaking actors? Now, this is a weird question, I think, uh, because you think of, for whatever reason, my mind went to like Australian actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though that's not a yeah, foreign language. Because they don't speak English. Uh, they speak Australian. They speak Australian. Uh what do you think? They speak Falsters. Yeah, false. Well, I'm going with my boy Donnie Yen, uh, mm. who's in Rogue One nice. and is in uh, Ape Man, uh, three of the four of those movies they've made, I believe, and Iron Monkey. And I just, he's so intense um, and his fighting style is so unique. Uh, and I think that's part of why I like him. Um, and then I also wrote down, and I'm going to butcher this name because I screwed it up in the Sins video, Jaimon Hansu. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right. I even researched this to make sure somebody didn't say, he was born in East L.A., you moron. <laughs> and he was, he was in another country until he was like 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's been great. We even joke in that Tarzan video that we did that he, he doesn't realize how shitty this movie is, so he's still <laughs> acting his ass off. Yeah. Uh, where he's like, you killed my son! I just take everything for... Uh, Blood Diamond is my favorite movie with him, and it's very a very nuanced performance because unlike where he's the heavy... Uh, like the island or Guardians of the Galaxy uh, or Warrior mm. or whatever. Um, he's kind of meek. Uh, he's just trying to get back to his family and not get screwed over by Leonardo. Yeah. Um, and and he's he has a real soul to him in that movie. Uh, but I'm always happy to see him come on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with uh, two picks that have been in, I think, a, a couple of movies together. Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. Who are married. Who are married. Yeah. I uh, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the deep recesses of my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I think that's where that. they, they met and all that. Of course, they're both Spain from Spain. Yeah, both from Spain and both have very heavy accents and can go back and forth between uh, the languages and frequently do, especially in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. They kind of speak English, speak English, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, Javier Bardem, I think, makes everything that he's in better. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, for sure. You know, No Country for Old Men. His performance, it's a great movie regardless, but his performance puts that over like another 15 to 30 percent. Yeah. You know, uh, Skyfall, same yeah. thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and even Vicky Cristina Barcelona, like he's he is really the, strangely <laughs> enough, the moral center of that, uh, that thing. <laughs> um, and then I cannot get enough of watching Penelope Cruz. I act. know. She, she is just magnetic, mm-hmm. you know, like a vanilla sky. Uh, she, the pleasure of Sophia. The, the, your eyes. the reason that Tom Cruise, you almost feel like Tom Cruise in that movie where, you know, he actually points to her at one point and he's like, she's like, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll meet someday when in the next life when we're all cats. And he's like, that's that. That's the reason that I love you so much is because you do shit like that. Cats, cats, yeah. uh, but man, she's just so electric. She's so gorgeous. And. Man, I, I I love watching her in anything I see her in. Open your eyes. Can you imagine if Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz got married, then Penelope Cruz could just be Penelope Cruz no yep. matter what? Yeah. She or she could double it down and be Penelope Cruz Cruz. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what, what I would That's do. what I would prefer. Yeah. Well, I think you actually go faster with two cruises than with just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you cruise too, cruise control. That, that's just basic math. <laughs> Obviously, when you add cruises together, it's just the speed. It's just fact. Um, uh, all right, so yeah, those are good ones, and I probably would probably uh, I, I'm piggyback on Javier Bardem because he's the same. It's same for me. I actually wanted to say Michael Fassbender, but I believe 
he had a German father and an Irish mother, and he grew up in Ireland. Oh. So I consider, I mean, he knows German, and he knows, like, I think he knows, like, five languages or something mm. like that. But I'm pretty sure he knew English right off the bat. And in fact, when he's talking, you, can, you can't you can really even hear an accent a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's more British than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Christoph Waltz, we're gonna yeah. I'm gonna have to say him. He's he's uh, just an entertaining actor. Um, and uh, how about old school Max von Sydow? Oh, oh nice. yeah. Uh, Sydow is Swedish, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm I'm almost certain probably did not speak English right off the bat. Uh, but he's become like one of those guys that we think is like I don't know he he feels like a he's always spoken English because yeah. he because he has a very dignified voice Minority yeah. Report you know and, I always uh, wished I had a Vaughn in front of my last name mm-hmm. Jeremy wow. Von Scott yep that's it's a like good the one. Von Traps yeah with a little mm-hmm. bit of that carrying yeah. on yeah. It's still, it makes you a little bit more of a badass if you have a Vaughn in front of your like name. Von Miller like Von yeah. Miller yeah oh yeah yep mm-hmm. yep <laughs> or Lindsay Vaughn. Or, or Vince Von Vaughn. Vince Von Vaughn. <laughs> yes. Von Make sure Vaughn. you pronounce both the Vaughns differently there. Von Vaughn. You want to do one quick one and then one regular one? Sure. Let's do, uh, yeah, whatever the fuck. All right. Now, this is something that we don't usually talk about very much. Sex. What are some... Yes, it's it's definitely about sex that mm-hmm. we never, never address. Never have mentioned it. We never address sex, Paul Giamatti, Mm-mm. or John Goodman. Or Die Hard. Or Die Hard, yeah. Never once have we. Those are really taboo subjects. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so what are some movies with awesome costume design? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, interesting per se. I, I actually just recently, the other night, uh, watched Marie Antoinette uh, yeah. for the first time. That's a good one. 2006 I mean, movie. as far as costume design um, is concerned. <laughs> Sofia Coppola directed it, yeah. who has a great sense of fashion. Um, and man, this costume game is on fucking point. Yeah. I mean, it's so on point. I told you an email. My wife bought this movie. She didn't like it. Yeah. She bought it because she loves the costumes and the sets, mm-hmm. and she watches it regularly for the costumes and the sets. It's amazing because this is a, this is the royalty at Versailles yeah. uh, in Marie Antoinette and Louis the Sixteenth, uh, Jason Schwartzman character, which yeah. is so ridiculous. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a terrible movie, uh, but the costumes just put it way over the top and they they it's it's costume porn i mean they they really like focus on Very it, much them so. getting dressed undressed you know all this other stuff um but it's it's really really stunning but, Another- uh if you ever want to uh see one of the best trailers and i was you know talking about like i hadn't i don't can't really name a lot of trailers past 2006 that were great marie, marie antoinette's trailer is great the trailer is just filled with color like just great action and everything and uh i wanted to, i was like that's gonna be great yeah. when i saw that trailer i even watched it at the new york film festival and i wow, paid yeah. 20 bucks for it wow wow and uh then i was like yeah that wasn't worth 20 bucks but <laughs> um but this is after she did lost in translation though right yeah yeah so you but like- she had uh, i'm trying to think um well, I guess it was right after. Yeah, I guess it was. This the is next between one. that and Bling Ring, right? Yeah, it was the next. It was definitely. I think it was the next one, actually. But I don't mm. know. Anyway, but yeah, that was. I was like, Sofia Coppola is finally like made the big. She's gonna make the big time with this movie, and eh, the movie wasn't. Good. But the trailer. Yeah. Look that up. Oh, that That's whole good soundtrack's stuff. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. Well, your pick of. Marie Antoinette reminded me of another movie my wife bought because of the costumes, and that's Memoirs of a Geisha. Or oh Geisha? yeah. Oh wow. Um. I watched it with her. 
that one time in the theater. And I probably won't ever watch it again. But <laughs> she's seen it maybe 15 times Jeez. because everything is so pretty and all the makeup and all the culturalism and whatnot. And that's the kind of stuff my wife is really into. But mm-hmm. she talks about the costumes in that movie as though Jesus himself sewed them. Mm-hmm. So. So, <laughs> yeah. there you go. If you love costumes, I would definitely check that out. Yeah, and that's pretty much the only reason to watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the funny, the one that came to my mind when I read this question, surprisingly, was 12 Monkeys. Oh. And, and, I, and I, I was like, why is that movie, like, stuck in my mind? Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, and it had gotten nominated for costume design. Really? <laughs> one is of it the futuristic stuff? One yeah, of the, yeah. yeah, one of its two Oscar nominations, Brad Pitt and costume design. Hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, like the suit that Bruce Willis is in at the beginning yeah. where he's got the lights inside the little he- the plastic helmet thing yeah. that yeah, he's yeah. in. And everything and all the other just all the other little things that are in there just just add to that whole set design and just the way 12 monkeys looks the costumes going on brad pitt's little that black yeah. thing that he wears and everything like that these aren't like a lot of costumes that are gonna like stand out as wow those are just like memoirs of a geisha or marie antoinette or whatever but it's funny i just I, I, that's the one that i thought of and it's yeah that futuristic stuff and uh even uh, bruce willis's hawaiian shirt yeah that he wears at the end of the in the finale is like in a museum or something or some sort of like you know studio museum mm. um uh stuff like that but yeah 12 monkeys i i, I love sci-fi yeah. costume design it's not a an area that i particularly really focus on when i'm watching movies sometimes i'm like oh that's that's a that's a nice dress or whatever but uh hardly ever but 12 monkeys popped in my head i'll tell you where i noticed it was in la la land yeah Mm. you know because everybody's immaculately dressed but especially when in that number where uh emma stone is getting ready uh to go out on the that first party and every girl has a different color dress and it's very bright yeah the opening scene where everybody's in kind of different things Uh, he plays with color really well yeah. and uh, contrasting color, which is really cool. And, you know, it's, that's something he didn't display probably intentionally in Whiplash. Like, no. Whiplash has a very narrow color palette. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, as an aside, I saw a video yesterday about La La Land. You remember the scene where Gosling's playing in the jazz club and Emma Stone is dancing and the camera keeps wipe, smash wiping yeah. back between them? That mm. was all done in camera. And so the video I saw is shot on a phone and it shows you the cameraman and Gosling behind him playing and the director is standing behind the cameraman and just intermittently tapping him on the shoulder and every time he taps the cameraman whips around to the other actor and then he taps him again and he whips back and it's just a fascinating way to look at how that was shot and how that you know dp director relationship worked in that particular setting i was fascinated by it. wow that's all i have to watch that all right well you got one more more. we're done or what what movie scene seriously haunted you even days after the example that they give is the scene in the grudge where the security guard is watching her walk down the hall screen goes black and then changes to eyes staring at him and gives him the creeps that is a creepy scene yeah. Uh, what are some other ones that haunt you? Uh, it's it's rare for me to uh, come out of a movie going, I was just haunted by that. But the Blair Witch Project's yeah. very final scene uh, always is one of those that it's got just the right amount of mystery and terror. And you know that the fates of these characters, you know, whatever, you just don't know exactly what happened. And that's what haunts you about it. Yeah. 
at the end of the Blair Witch Project, of course, we have Mike down in one area and we have Heather up in another one. And they both have cameras. We see Mike's camera get knocked over. We see the little autofocus do its thing. And then we see Heather running down. She's yelling, Mike, 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 Mike. And then she gets down and Mike is standing in the corner of yeah. that house. Yeah. And then all we see after that is Heather getting not, her camera just knocking over. And that's it. And you're like, why the fuck was he in the corner? Yes, yeah. it's the simplest thing. Yeah, like he was turned around and like there were a lot of theories afterwards. Like maybe there was some other like Blair Witch bullshit that the directors came up with later or whatever. I don't know if it was ever canon that said the witch liked to turn people. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> just the just the fact that he was turned around in the corner is enough for me. Was he dead already? Was he about to die? We don't know. <laughs> you know, he's just standing in the corner and the camera just gets knocked over right at right when your eyes are about to focus on it. That scene is haunting. Yeah, good call. I got one that's that's almost become a cliche because it's been copied so much uh, and it's from paranormal activity no oh, yeah um and there's a lot of if you go back and put yourself in when the first time that you saw it and everything it was a genuinely creepy movie but there that scene when the the camera is rolling in the bedroom and katie featherston gets up and she literally just walks around to the other side of the bed and you see the time code speed yeah. up to where it's hours mm -hmm. and hours, and she's standing there yeah. staring at him. Yeah. Right. I got fucking chills, yeah, man. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And, I mean, there, there's a lot of subtle scares in that movie. There's a lot of, especially the end, cheap scares. Yeah. But that one is genuinely creepy. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It has been copied a million times yeah. since that whole, that whole thing. You know, like, oh, my God, he... They were standing there for an hour, <laughs> mainly by paranormal activity itself, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. But yeah, you're right. The first time you saw that, you were like, I remember being in the theater and you hear, I heard like people go, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like stunned that you stood there all yeah. that time. So the moral of the story is that Chris and I are freaked out by people standing. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm going back to childhood mostly for, the, for this example. When did Last Crusade come out? 89. 89 mm -hmm. so i was 14 rapidly aging melting face man oh yeah <laughs> the guy chose the wrong challenge yeah. yeah yeah that was an image that i couldn't shake he for chose poorly, poorly. <laughs> I, I couldn't shake that image for years well, like it, it showed up in my dreams it's funny that you mentioned that because i believe as a kid the raiders of the lost ark melting scene yep. is what was the my maybe my first like nightmare type of scenario because especially like i mean yeah you're seeing like you know it's it's obviously like wax or whatever the fuck. but like you know they, it's like uh it's their face and then it's like this too white creamy white and <laughs> then it's red blood and it's yeah. like their skull and like especially on the one the the one guy the glasses guy like his glasses fall in that weird like stop motion uh -huh. way or whatever yeah. Like when he's screaming and like and other guys, I think they just explode. But like that dude just like melts yeah, and it's just yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. Well, and I hadn't seen Raiders when I saw Last Crusade. Last Crusade was my first Indiana Jones oh, yep. experience. Mm -hmm. And so, 
Yeah, I was a little older when I saw Raiders, and or probably would have had the same exact effect. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I legitimately had nightmares about that fucking dude. Well, it's, it, what what enhances the Last Crusade one is that Elsa is like sitting there just screaming <laughs> yeah. at basically what is nothing when she's acting, but like, you know, <laughs> but she's like ah ah ah, yeah. you know, just like it's just so like disturbing and everything. Uh, it reminds it reminds me like uh, in Fight Club when the the big beat down scene happens yeah. with Jared Leto. Oh. Like they say that like in the commentary they're like we could have shown it where he's just he's just beating him down and that would you know whatever but we think it's more effective that you're just seeing everybody's reactions to it yeah as as it's happening because that then you're imagining what's going on yeah. well that'll be the syncast for this week please keep going on to soundcloud and giving us your thoughts yeah we've gotten a lot more comments lately so it sounds like people are, are really wanting to communicate get their thoughts out tell us what they like what they don't like um there's a lot of good stuff that we get from this a lot of like here's you know here's i'm first time commenter this is what i really like mm-hmm. and we actually share that we really like uh, all are viewing that that type of thing so keep it up keep it up email us if you want to tweet us uh go to itunes uh you know throw a, a review if it happens to be five stars it's five stars um yeah. <laughs> i'm just saying like go ahead you should go do ahead. that go ahead you should give it an extra go ahead. it's fine they uh well you had the you had the guy like after uh this uh this past week or whatever who um or i guess a couple weeks ago that uh, when we were talking about foreign language films, he gave that list of foreign language. Films. That was insane. And, that was great. Thank you. And, it, and it's going to, you know, that's one of the big reasons why I love doing this podcast is those type of comments that come in and they give me some things that I haven't seen or haven't considered or whatever. We had that one comment about the, 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 the Vivich. Yeah. Uh, oh, we yeah. Had the professor yeah, yeah. who who uh, who told us why he liked it, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, I can see, uh, I can get a different appreciation for that." Movie. It was a treatise. Yes, it, it was. was. So I enjoy that type of stuff. Anyway, that'll be the syncast for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I watched that um, Beware the Slender Man documentary on HBO today. Beware the Slender Man. Remember a couple years ago when those two 14-year-olds took their friend in the woods and stabbed her because they thought Slender Man from the internet was going to kill their families if they didn't. It's a documentary about wow, that. Wow, no, I've never heard of that. Oh, man, it's I good. I actually did run across that today, but I was just like, fuck that. And yeah, I, I didn't. I had never heard anything about it's it. It's creepy. It almost ends up being as much about mental health as it does the case or Slender Man himself because those really? girls, one of them's schizophrenic and one of them's like disassociative or something. Really? Yeah. And then then you find out one of their dads was schizophrenic and they never told her and she was hearing voices since she was three. Oh, man. Wow. Anyway, it's uh, it's I found it to be a very gripping documentary, mm-hmm. uh, unsettling topic, but because to there's a it. lot of police interviews the night of the stabbing with each girl. And like one of them's just completely detached, like. Oh, really? Yeah. You, I was wondering, could you tell me how many while how many miles we walked after? Because I'm not very athletic. 
Like, oh, shit. just not seeing the consequences. Anyway, it was crazy. It was very, very engaging, I must say. I will, uh, I will, I will now have to watch this. Not that I, I mean, I've never had, I've never done mushrooms. Have you not? No. No, that's 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 over the line I won't cross. Yeah, yeah, it's a good line. Along with shooting up, uh, any kind of needle or snorting is generally out of the question for me. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? It's true though that most people, when they do stuff like this, don't become addicted, right? I'm not trying to pass that. We're, we're I don't know how much of this conversation is going to get on the. <laughs> Let's encourage folks to yeah. try mushrooms, right? But no, no. I mean, most people who take any kind of drug don't get addicted to it. It's no, the yeah. you, you just have the risk of it possibly happening, and then. As far as shrooms and LSD and all this other type of stuff is concerned, the the you know the flashbacks and all that are not like common, right? They're oh not, no, no, no. That, that's like every, but you still run the risk mm -hmm. of that happening. That's the thing. That's why it's, it's sort of always deterred me from those type of things. Like, what if I am that one in whatever? How many people you know winning the lottery or whatever, yeah. losing <laughs> the lottery, um, is going to be like that? You know, it's like walking down the street and suddenly gets the acid flashback or whatever. Remember when they take mushrooms and go to Cirque du Soleil in yes. Knocked Up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seth Rogen's like, oh! uh, <laughs> the mushrooms well, like, are turning on me, man. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, that's the craziest thing to do, possibly, to, to put ingest those type of drugs and then go to Cirque du Soleil. Because even sober, that, <coughs> that show makes you think you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Stand by. Fucking Windows 98. <laughs> Get Bill Gates out, yeah. I, but I have gotten through the Bukaki section. No. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. We spend we spend longer than I, I remember. All I really remember is that it's the dirtiest and pervious podcast yet. So I'm looking forward to it. And everybody seems to generally hate that movie. So I'm surprised about that. Really? the The movie like had uh, it w had an opening weekend that was amazing, and then it just kept going. Like people were saying good things about it. Like I didn't hear negative things about it ever. Hmm. Um. But then when we started doing it, I was surprised to, when I was taking looks at the IMDb to see who the voices were and everything. I saw the 6.6 .6 and I was like, that's not good. That's <laughs> yeah. not good for a movie like this that, you know, did whatever. I was I was very surprised about that because that's a movie that just kept had a lot of legs. Yeah. So was it a hit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge hit. It's in the top 10 of this year. Jesus. Uh, just like uh, Sing will be, probably. They've already greenlit the sequel to Sing. I like Kevin Hart, but I didn't like how they used Kevin Hart in this movie, you know? I like Kevin Hart. I Did you like Ride Along? Oh, you saw Ride Along 2, didn't you? I would, what? Did, yeah, I saw you? Ride Along 2 and not Ride Along 1. Uh, I like Kevin Hart stand-up better than I like him in most of the ways the movies have used him. Um, like Get Hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Secret Life of Pets is fourth in no 2016. Shit. So wow. it's Dory. Is, uh, is Rogue one. one passed it. Oh, yeah. Finding Dory. We, that's one of those things. Rogue One passed it, but it doesn't. It just doesn't feel like that type of a movie. No, no, because it went over a billion worldwide, right? Yeah, I think it did. I think it. Yeah, it's over. I think it's over a billion. It's 514 uh, domestic. God damn. And then it it has made uh, yes, just cross. It was it's over a billion, billion fourteen million. Foreign box office is almost at five hundred. 
If that didn't, with that story, if that didn't have Star Wars slapped on it, oh my it god, can you imagine nothing? That's like at the end of, uh, in in not the end of, but in the Insider, where Lowell Bergman, Al Pacino, is like huh? talking, and and uh, he's like, he's like, hi, I'm Lowell Bergman from Sixty Minutes. You know, you take the sixty minutes out of that that uh, that sentence, nobody answers your phone call. <laughs> <laughs> if you made that movie without any Star Wars, no. you're talking about a tank job. Yeah, you'd have people saying, like, well, Donnie Yen was awesome, but that's yeah. about it. I got a tank job once. Oh, yeah? It was hot. <laughs> yeah? Oh, what, baby. Was was his name Thomas? <laughs> oh, Jesus. That just turned. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Damn. Because I, cause when I heard tank, immediately thought Thomas the tank engine when, you started, you, when you started making it dirty. Of course you did. Fuck. <laughs> Honey, you want to try a tank job tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen Vacation with Ed Helms? No. No. Oh, you should. Um, it's getting to bad, bad uh, horrible bosses too territory for me. Oh, yeah. In that the moments that I really enjoy, I really, really enjoy. But this, there's this part in the movie where they're at this like camp out, like camping grounds, and his son's playing the guitar around the pool or something. And he tries to be a wingman for his son by saying how handsome this young man is. And the girl he's flirting with runs away because this is a creepy old man flirting with a teenage boy. So he sits down and he's like, if you ever want to talk about sex, you know, and he's like, no, no. And he's like, no, seriously, if you ever have any questions. And eventually the kid says, well, the kids at school were talking about a rim job. <laughs> what, so what is that? What's a rim job? And, and Helms doesn't know. And so he's like, well, I would think that would be when you kiss with your lips closed. It's just just the rim of your mouth oh wow <laughs> and so they you know have a touching moment and he gets up to leave and he's rubbing his son's back <laughs> and behind him this guy's coming out with a towel to come to the pool <laughs> and then helms goes man i hope you're not too old to give your dad a good night rim job oh, <laughs> and wow. the guy the guy walking up just spins a 180 and walks back to his hotel room oh my god that's a funny thing. The vac that, that, that vacation movie. I remember it came out and obviously had horrible reviews when it came out. But it was also a movie that did decently enough at the box office that it actually had some sort of legs. Like it wasn't like a, ever a big, huge weekend or anything. But it was always stay around the same amount each yeah. week. And uh, I think it ended up making a hundred million. Probably. I mean. That's I I remember it getting not good reviews, but mm. when I watched it, I found myself laughing a lot more than I expected. Okay, oh. so no, it did not make a hundred. It made fifty eight. It made a hundred worldwide. Budget's like thirty one, but like I I remember it just I remember it just kind of being like it didn't do anything, but it it did more than it was expected by the end of it. It was he rents of, this weird like armenian car that can go forward or backwards like has a front end on both sides of it <laughs> and it has this keypad remote with like 60 buttons on it and he's like we can do everything with this and she goes his wife goes is that a swastika <laughs> and he goes we just won't use that button <laughs> oh my god <laughs> there's a lot of nods to the other one mm -hmm. um deadpoolian well, he's, nods basically he's oh, nice. uh he's rusty though right he's yeah he's yeah, playing the he, son he's the son uh, yeah. yeah chevy chase is even in it for like a hot minute yeah uh, i do himself. it's funny how they've always addressed uh well i don't know if they've always no they haven't always they only address the continuity in vegas vacation where uh oh, he, yeah, he yeah. wakes up and they, they're like, like we're gonna take we're, you, you know you got you kids are getting older it's yet again a different audrey and a different rusty yeah 
you know, like Ethan Embry is rusty and everything. And he's like, I don't even recognize you kids anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit like that in this one where he's trying to convince his family to go to Wally World like his famous vacation. It's his mm-hmm. most fam- favorite vacation. And the kids are like, I don't I don't think I've even ever heard of the original vacation. <laughs> and he's like, this one will be better. It's all right. The, the new vacation will stand on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the most metal Motley Crue has ever been. Maybe. Is that the band that with the guy that wears a kilt? No, that's ACDC. No, the kilt is Guns N' Roses. No, the kilt is the ACDC guy. That's what I'm thinking. No, he wears about. shorts. Angus? Yeah, Angus Young. Are they... He wears those those weird like little... Kilt uh, material shorts? No. I mean, maybe at some point they've worn a kilt. But uh, My, it... The point is I don't know shit about this genre of music. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never listened to any of it. Yeah, Axl Rose went through a, a period in the Use Your Illusion tour where he was wearing a kilt a lot. I have a feeling Axl's been through a lot of periods. He, man, yeah, he has. Because he wore, like, he used to wear, like, these midriff bearing things and, like, the mesh, like, weird. There was a green machine thing from the, uh, what was the, the longest yard. Oh. And then uh, he did the thing. But then he, uh, in that Use Your Illusion tour, which featured Metallica opening for them, by the way. Wow. And Faith No More opening for them. They were it, And Nirvana was supposed to be the opening band for him. I'm getting derailed. But uh, he comes out like mid-set in these, basically what you would see on like a porn star before she takes her clothes off, like these white shorts that leave nothing to the imagination. Nice. Lovely. Use your cock. (laughs) Use your illusion of a big cock. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Did you see that show? That that actually came through Nashville. What now? Guns N' Roses, Faith No More, and Metallica show. No, I didn't see that. It was like 90... One, I guess, 91 or 92. Yeah, the sad thing is the first time I saw Guns N' Roses was like five years ago. And they didn't even have Axl Rose. Oh, you saw the the rest of the band? Uh, no, it was... Or you saw Axl with the rest... With it like was Axl with nobody else. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. it was. And then I saw them later with, you know, they got the reunion yeah, yeah. going and everything. Um, and then I the first time I saw Metallica was also similar to that, like yeah. 2008, 2009, or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, I should have seen them in their heyday. I don't know. I kind of like new Metallica is is pretty awesome because they just play the hits. They're just like, fuck it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't have a good experience with my Metallica show. Just because, oh, was that where you were I, in I that weird it, spot? Yeah, man, it was uh, the, uh, at Bridgestone, and there was some something about it, man. I could not mm. hear anything. It was, sounded nothing like any songs. It was just noise. And, yeah. He was like, okay, I know what song this is, but it still feels like everything's off. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If you think Mick Jagger is going to be strutting on stage 30 years from now. <laughs> and trying to be a rock star, <laughs> you are sadly, sadly mistaken. But this forest is old. Very old. Oh, yeah. And that's I got you. straight from Jeremy and Josh because they, they are the ones who brought that up. This beverage is good. Very good. <laughs> and when he started doing it, and now, and when he started doing it in front of me, I suddenly like got into it too. Um, so now, like anytime there's something like that, I have to say it's it. just like how Johnny Depp slowly started turning into the gangsters he was actually trying to apprehend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. You've spent enough time around somebody, you pick up all yeah. their language ticks. You don't understand, man. I am them. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of like. Uh, when 24 they said Kiefer Sutherland after a while didn't have to keep saying the following takes place between 3 p.m. and they used to have they used to have him say each one <laughs> like for the first three seasons or something like that yeah. and then finally they were like oh yeah we don't need it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think we should get Keith for Sutherland to read our nature. We box. should. <laughs> oh, that would rule. Yeah. I hope he does it like the phone booth guy he plays. Go to nature box. Which is basically Jack Bauer. Yeah. I can do a Kiefer. What's your best Kiefer? I can um, have a Kiefer. Key- Damn it! That's my Kiefer. <laughs> yeah. Tell me where the bombs are now! <laughs> That's more Harrison Ford, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I read something the other day that said that... Uh, that there were like 76 acts of torture that uh jack bauer yeah i could uh, say performed in the, during the duration of the series it got so casual by like season five we were just like yeah all right i bet he's gonna like rip those lamp wires out and just like attach <laughs> oh my to god his nipples or something. well that he would be you know that he would be a war criminal in yeah, real oh, life yeah. and you were talking about the wires like i keep thinking about how many times during any given day Jack Bauer was like electrocuted oh, yeah. or like like was in a big huge crash or something yeah. and then the next hour it's like nothing ever happened <laughs> hanging from a pipe yeah. he's always hanging from a fucking yeah, pipe yeah yeah